Hey, what's up, man? Good. Okay, one second. Okie dokie. You, uh, we were talking about taxation is theft, not theft or school. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go to Substack so I can see where we left off. So if you, you could just summarize like what your, what your, uh, your issue, like one issue that you had with it, probably the most foundational. I was hoping actually you do that because it's been a while and, uh, a very busy kid work, barely remember anything. Okay. Okay. I'll just go look at it. Okay. I I remember roughly that um it seems like there's the like you were either strawmanning some of the points there or you're just just like going over it very quickly and it didn't seem like an to me at least, I'm not saying you intended it, it didn't seem like an honest appraisal of the situation. Like I, I can appreciate that uh defending taxing is theft is, is challenging, but I I don't think that um, that was done in that particular article. Well, so I mean, I I uh, just quoted from the libertarians. Um, yeah, I don't think you uh, found a very good person to to quote from. To be honest with well, you, well, I mean, I I could argue obviously um, against like um, like an axiomatic uh, property rights system. Although I think that's actually um, far weaker. Um, I mean, if you're like a like a property deontologist. Uh, that's pretty unfortunate. That's a pretty strange position. Is that I'm what you sure. want, wanted me to, to critique? I'm not sure what you mean, a property deontology. Is that uh, a Kantian uh, uh, philosophy of property or something? So, um, like, it's basically where, like, a certain property rights are just, like, um, like axiomatic. Like, they're, like, foundational rules um, that you derive from, like, nature or, like, God or something. It's, it's really I mean, strange. I mean, you you, you have um, I'm 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 not this particular flavor, but you do have like a natural right, what they say, and even like the Lockean perspective that like the um, the foundation was it was was a religious foundation, but but essentially it was you own your own body, uh, your body produces something, you're allowed to own that, and all our legal yeah, but that's, system. That's not really coherent. That's not necessarily coherent. Why is that not? I mean, because of the religious part, or it's not coherent because of the consequences of it, or what? Yeah, yeah. So, like, first, I mean, yeah, it's just like an assertion of a specific principle. There's no reason why we should necessarily like accept that. Uh, it's not like an axiomatic commitment. Um, but okay, let me. Second of all, let me let me go a step back. Let's see. Let's see if you agree to this. Do you think? So you you probably think that uh, rights and, and laws they're not axiomatic they're whatever society dictates right? Well, I mean, descriptively, yes. Um, when it comes to like their actual ethic, like their normative um, character, I would say they'd be justified by considerations for utility. But just to clarify, uh, part of the reason why I think, like, I, I do believe that people can be like deontological and they can believe in universal moral rules. I wasn't really trying to necessarily argue against that. But trying to apply like universal natural laws um, to property is really strange. Um, and the reason why is because property is obviously, um, obviously a social construct in, in the sense that it requires an appropriation of nature, which is something I talk about there. Uh, you know, for property to exist, we must steal from nature in the first place. Steal um, from nature. And, 
Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess you could say that the first person who um, got to the land owns it and can just claim uh, all the property that exists. That seems pretty dubious. Uh, so so let's, uh, let's take the example. I, I find a twig or a long branch and I fashion a spear out of it. Is it my spear or is it, or have I stolen it from nature and therefore I can never claim uh, property rights over it? So, so I can say that as a society um, or as like a social norm, it's beneficial for us to acknowledge it as your spear. Why but to say that uh, in, in, in a world with 8 billion people, that somebody can go up to a mountain and say, okay, this is my mountain now. And that seems frankly quite ridiculous. I mean, the, specifically for the area of land, I don't take... I don't exactly take the homesteading approach that ANCAPs would, but um, you, there are like objective ways of how you can say this is now my land if you do certain things to it according to you know objective laws. You could go to an unclaimed land, do some things to it, and then say I've uh, commit, I have managed to complete the li the list of requirements to make this my land. Well, I mean, uh, under some arbitrary rules, right? So we can well, say those I, rules. I, I are hope like, objective rules. So I mean, I I guess you you can call them objective rules. I don't see why I'd consider them objective rules. So like, what do you have to do um to like a reserve of diamonds that you found? Hold on, hold on. We're, we're, we're jumping, we're jumping way ahead. Let, let's let's go back like a, a step. So would you say just just before we dive in, would you say um there are there appears to be some kind of rational way of determining which laws and rights we should give humans and even um, if you take a consequentialist position you can observe that around many different cultures we seem to have like similar absolute rules like don't murder don't steal stuff like that and the more that societies implement these universal uh, um, let's say axioms or rights implement these rights the better and more flourishing the society is the less they implement them the worst that society is. You, even from a consequentialist point of view, you can, you can say there are similar patterns in these rights. They appear to be something that's connected to our human nature and reality. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd accept this premise. I mean, I'd say okay. that rules, we can have social rules, uh, and those are beneficial, and we should justify those on consequential grounds. They're not the same around the world. They change all the time throughout history and okay, let's different do, let, uh, modes of production. Let's um, do, there's going to be different rules that make sense. Let's do murder. Let's do murder. Well, mur murders, you see, murder is a very funny thing because it already includes many carves out that carve outs that our culture has made that maybe other cultures haven't made currently or in the past, right? So murder is definitionally wrong killing, which is something that changes quite frequently. So we, we are allowed to murder willy-nilly or... No, so murder is killing when it's definitionally wrong. So everybody agrees that murder is wrong because by definition, murder is wrong. The question why, is, why is it wrong? Well, so I mean, why, why did we, why did we come to the conclusion, or, or why did many cultures across the world come to the conclusion that murder is wrong? The problem is, murder isn't one thing. There's tons of different criteria that contradict each other around the world and throughout history. You understand? Well, can we, can we just take this one example? What, but, so are you saying why is murder wrong in the United States with our with our definition of murder? What we don't is, even agree about it. I'm not sure I'm I'm, I'm not sure I'm following you. So murder murder is not just one like one extremely specific definition. It's just killing whenever it's morally wrong. So for instance, if I kill somebody who entered in my house, some leftists will say like you know without my consent, some leftists will say well that's not murder, and I'll say maybe I think it is. 
right? So we don't all even agree on. Sorry, what let's murder, uh, let's uh, let's specify if someone initiated force on you on someone and, and murdered. Well, so, but, but I mean, I could kill somebody. I can initiate force on somebody and yeah. kill them, and it could still be correct, right? So if they're raping like my daughter, right? I'm initiating force, and they're dead. We wouldn't consider that murder. The point is that murder is very context dependent, and not everybody agrees on what it means. I mean, I think I removed the, to some degree, like, let's exclude the self-defense here. So, so, okay, now we're making, yeah, we're making very common cultural, um, you know, cutouts in murder. No, I don't uh, think so. still going to be education. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, most people in our culture would say that self-defense, um, like very, very clear self-defense where like your life is at, at risk. Okay, then you can uh, kill a person and we consider that morally right. But I mean, to pretend this is like a very consistent principle and the idea of self-defense is, is consistent among everybody, it uh, seems like obviously, you know, not true. It seems to me you're, you're being hyper-skeptical because I think for the, the vast majority of cases, we would all agree that murder is, is wrong. And like, well, we you know, I, I can, I can, add, I can add, I can add the, like, you know, self-defense. Someone was attacking me. I, I attacked back and as a result, they died, but it wasn't my intention to murder them. Uh, whereas someone else, you know, initiated force. They had the intention to murder something and, and, and across different societies, we agree that that is wrong. So I, I but, think you, you're but you're taking like a hyper-skeptical look at it. I, I think just to stay with the generics for now. So I, I, think, I think you're, you're just like conflating two different terms, and that's where the confusion is. So like, okay. murder is definitely wrong. Nobody can say murder is, is good because that would just be a contradiction. Um, but what, you, what you're meaning is, okay, killing somebody unless it's for self-defense is wrong. That's your statement. And you're saying most people agree with that. Now, I'd say um, maybe... Uh, can you I mean, tell me why? Definitely... Can you Go tell ahead. me why murder is wrong, though? Why is it definitionally wrong? Murder is definitionally wrong. Meaning what? What? So, so murder is killing whenever it's whenever it's morally wrong. Like that is that is the ethic, like philosophical definition. On what grounds? What is just, just like, what is that, justified? That's an identity. Sorry, that's an identity. I'm not following. So, like, there's there's definitions for words. They don't have like grounds. They're, that's just an identity. Oh, the murder, right? so like, the like evil is evil is bad. The world evil is bad. Yeah. So murder is is whenever like like theft. Theft is taking when it's wrong, um, right? So like you can say like like I can't justify why theft is wrong. It just by definition is is wrong. And I can justify whether a specific occasion is theft or not, or whether a specific killing is murder or not. We disagree on that, but nobody can disagree that murder is wrong because it's by definition wrong. Okay, so you want to you want to take killing and then say killing isn't necessarily wrong. Killing isn't always wrong, of course not. Under the condition I stated, is it? Um, kill, so killing somebody um, when it's not for self-defense—that that's yes. and self-defense. Well, how are we defining self-defense? Just just generalizing. Let's not. You know, I, I think you get the gist here. I just want to make some cover some ground here. Is if killing wrong? About to, if somebody's threatening my life, yes, right. Killing them is that's it's saying that that it's totally appropriate for me to kill them is a is a is a good rule uh, for society to have. Yes. So okay, so let's so we said putting the, the sorry putting the self defense aside. If someone initiates first force on you and, and and wishes to kill you and wishes to kill you or kill others, that is morally wrong. Why would you say that is? Because because that harms people. Um, and I can okay. get into like the um, you know okay. meta ethics if you want of that. And is harming bad? Harming people bad? 
Yeah, harming is bad. Why? Har harming is definitionally bad as well. <laughs> okay, let's but, let's just stay with the moral, not the not the linguistic. <laughs> um, I mean, I could explain to you like my philosophy, just in case you're a little bit yes, confused. Please. It's not. It's what not, is good? What is good? What is bad in your philosophy? For sure. So I think, um, like, whenever we study, um, uh, like, biological creatures, okay, uh, it seems that there's, like, this component of experience, like, that we can deem pleasure, like, certain experiential states uh -huh. um, that, like, that all creatures, like, enjoy, and they want to pursue those states, and they don't want to pursue the states they associate with pain. And so pretty much all of our preferences and decisions can be boiled down to um, associations of pleasure and pain. This is called psychological hedonism. There's a lot of literature on this. Mm -hmm. um, and so for individuals, it seems like what they want is pleasure. You know, all good experiences. They want good experiences. They don't want bad ones. And so um, objectivity is impartial, right? So like, um, like this exists and this has a certain color whether I think so or not, right? It exists um, external to my stance, mm -hmm. right? It, like it, it's, it's stance independent. So in the same way, objective ethics is stance independent, which means, um, you know, goodness, ethical goodness is the, uh, the stance independent application of goodness. Personal goodness is pleasure. The stance independent uh, application of pleasure is maximizing total pleasure for all things capable of experiencing it. Does that make so sense? That, that sounds like it's a, there's some sort of intrinsic morality outside of yourself. That and the purpose of that intrinsic morality outside of yourself is to maximize pleasure for everyone in society. Is that my understanding that correctly? Uh, for for all things capable of experiencing it. If there was to be an objective application, if we were to be if we were to be impartial, mm -hmm. that's what we would care about. Okay, now, and I just have a you, question. You can, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No problem. Uh, it, if uh, feeling pleasure is good and feeling pain is bad, sometimes feeling pleasure is is bad. And sometimes feeling pain is good. I don't think that's true. Okay. Taking drugs feels good right now, but long term it's bad. It's bad going to it the gym going to the gym feels bad, but long term it's good. So, so because it reduces so like taking drugs help makes me feel good now and makes me feel way worse later and it ends up making me feel way worse over time. Okay. But you didn't say over time. You said feeling ple you said feeling pleasure is good, feeling pain is bad. More pleasure, gooder, more pain, badder, right? So more, in what I mean. scope? Sorry. So uh, if I so if we put everything on one accounting metric, which is just units of pleasure, right? And those those can be negative or positive. Okay. I want my life to have the highest number possible. Your your um, life from from now to when it ends. Yeah, like naturally speaking, I want it to be have have as much pleasure as possible. Right. And, so and we that can is, be biased. And and how we do you? And, and this is basically based on. Uh, biological, physical reactions to the world? This seems to be the motivational apparatus of um, biological creatures. So we, to some degree, like there's a very high level of determinism here. Like our body reacts to something uh, feels good, therefore we should do more of it, and society should give us more of it. So, so it, it's it's like we it's not even like therefore like we should, like we will. Like we want to experience pleasure. Like there's no... Like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to choose to to not enjoy pleasure and not be motivated by it. That seems to be how humans operate. Um, but I think I so, think pleasure. I think pleasure isn't just physical. I think sometimes we enjoy stuff that's not physical. Sure, sure. No, so it's experiential. It's like what happens within your your body. It's not just like um like sex or something, right? Right. But um, I I can I can read a good book and I can enjoy. Yeah. It. 
but that yeah, exactly that, that that's not like a I don't feel a physical pleasure you, you from do. it. You do enjoyment is is an experiential state. It's like a pleasure. So like in your brain, you are feeling uh, channeling certain neurochemicals. Um, there's okay, something so if, happening. So if I came first in some kind of uh, competition, is that uh, is that? Yes. Uh, but I decided to to go on that venture. I made the rational decision, the conscious decision to partake in that competition. But, but you, you, no, we can actually measure. This is actually a great example. Um, like if you actually look at um, the reason why um, certain experiences are so rewarding, it's usually because of the um, emission of uh, dopamine and oxytocin, specifically for um, like okay physical but, activities. Stay, stay with me for a second before we get to the to the to the chemicals in the brain. I made the decision that I want to compete. If I didn't make that decision that that I want to compete, then I I wouldn't have done that, and I wouldn't have. And similarly, if I failed in that competition, I would have received negative chemicals or negative emotions from it. But I made the decision to participate in it, and it doesn't it doesn't like uh, how can I explain it? Because I made that decision, then my body reacted afterwards. So. Uh, I, I would disagree with that premise, but I mean, it's not necessarily relevant. Like, I don't think you exist and I don't think you make decisions. Uh, I don't think either. You don't think things. I exist to make decisions? Um, yeah, no. So like every single atom within your body is different by the time you die. There's not a single component of you that is the same. I'm, I'm, fami- I'm, I'm familiar with that, but I do think there is a me. And I do think, think that, I'm, that I'm conscious of the environment. But you, you think you are. Well, I um, know I'm conscious of the environment. But you don't. I am right now sitting and I'm conscious that I'm sitting. Like I have senses telling me of my surroundings and I'm conscious of it. I understand. I don't expect you to convince, to convince you of this. I well, you, you are, you're not conscious of your surroundings? Um, so consciousness as a, as a, first of all, consistent identity. That's one thing. The, the, the existence of consciousness is actually a separate thing. So like, imagine if I made a clone of you, right? Hold on. Um, I just Con- made a clone of you. Conscious is just, conscious of something. Wait, so just, just hear me out. Okay. Imagine I made a clone of you, and um, I substituted them out for you in this exact moment. Um, they would have all of your memories. Would they know that they weren't the same consciousness as you? Right? Because they don't have the same consciousness as you. It's a separate entity, right? I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of not interested in these sorts of hypotheticals like brain of that similar. Well, I mean, so th- that's why I said I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the premise. But, I mean, even if, I, even if we accept um, some sort of like free will uh, theory, which, I mean, it seems highly dubious. Um, but, you know, let's say we have free will and we're consistent identities. It doesn't really interact with uh, psychological hedonism. Well, to some degree, like, we are still tied to our body. Like, our mind, our consciousness and our body are still tied together. So even if we wanted to have free will, we would still need to you know, look for food, look for water every once in a while because our body requires it to continue living. Well, the reason why we like water is because it, it feels good to consume it. We, we desire it, right? Well, no, we, um, well, we would, in this particular we case, we, you would start feeling bad after a while and then you die. But if you choose to die, yeah. you, you would do that. Yeah, so, so we, want it. we want to feel pleasure. We don't want to feel pain, right? So there's some people, um, especially like near the end of their life, they lose any desire to eat and drink. And the mm-hmm. reason why is because uh, the hunger and the thirst don't really um, affect them. They don't feel the suffering from that necessarily. They and definitely the, feel the suffering, suffering they get from 
the suffering they get from eating actually is higher than the suffering they get from not eating. So they stop eating, right? I don't agree. I think that's uh, kind of like uh, retrospectively looking at the situation and giving it an answer to sound good. I'm not sure I agree. Wait, wait, wait a second. That's a really weird position for you to take. So you're talking about late life care. You're saying these people that say, no, I don't want to eat. I really don't want to eat. It's, it's, it's like, like if you try to feed them. No, no, I, I, do it. I meant uh, someone who decides to stop living. There's nothing in the world for me anymore. I, I want to end my life. And they just stop eating and drinking as a result. They would still feel well, so that's, that's hunger and thirst. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, I mean, yeah, I was talking about like medical, just how it seems that, you know, biological elements are, encourage our motivation. It's totally possible to think that the chief thing we want is pleasure, just biologically, um, and to believe that we have free will. So we get to choose what we do about it. I don't think that's true, um, but you can believe that. Those are totally compatible positions. Many people have believed that. Can I just try one thing before we move on? Um, sure. Can you. Do you believe that you can have a situation where you need to make a decision? In one of those situations, you are you're in a rush. You aren't concentrating very much. You make a decision and you, and you go with that. And then in a in that same situation, instead of being in a rush, you you calm down. You focus. You think rationally. And as a result of that, you make a different decision than the first. In do you think that's possible? So I think if you rewind a specific altercation like this one. A thousand times, everything will happen the exact same. You think it would happen this if you think rationally or, or in a hurry, you'd make the same so, decision? Like, I, I think if you keep fast-forwarding back and fast-forwarding forward, no one's going to make a different decision. Well, I, I disagree. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a socially useful idea um, that we are um, conscious decision-makers. And, and to the extent, the belief that we can make decisions impacts our decisions. But we know um, we don't have many, any... Fr- we don't have any free will from your point. Of course not. I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, so you could say um, you can believe in cosmic randomness, right? So almost everything in the universe is cause and effect. Um, mm-hmm. Laws of physics uh, I, interacting with each other. I still, I still believe in cause and effect. I just believe this is like hu- free will. The, the one I, I mentioned before is the type of cause and effect. No, so you think there's, there's a cause that can constantly change regardless of external factors. So if you if you actually believe in cause and effect, you you would be a determinist. That's the only position. But it's no, okay. I, let, me, let, me, let me explain my position. I, I think that okay, so let's say let's say I am a biological being and I, I again I need to look for water and, and food to survive. And I need to make decisions throughout the day. And you know, other animals need to as well, other biological organisms need, need to do as well. I need to make decisions throughout the day to look for water and look for food and take certain steps to do that. And I think that my ability to make those decisions is the type of cause and effect. There's, yeah, I mean, it seems highly dubious. Uh, like any, any machine uh, that you put, you, you run it, it, it only runs one way. Um, you know, trees, if you put it in a certain instance over time. I don't think I'm least, a machine. I don't think I am a machine. Is it, you, could, you could think, right? You can think, okay, well, us biological creatures, we operate from d- different from everything in the universe. There is some sort of causal uh, capacity for our brains to, like, like if, if you actually believe in cause and effect, you believe that if you go back in time and you rewind evolution and then go forward in time again, everything's going to happen the exact same way. Uh, you believe that there's basically an instance of cosmic randomness, an extremely uh, you know, questionable no, I, and, I, I, I don't and think, extremely 
rare I don't think uh, I do. occasions happening in your mind every single time you make a decision. But I, I understand this is unintuitive to you. So no, I, 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 it's, it's a lot more simpler than that. It's like I have the ability to, be, to focus my conscious attention on something, and th that's, that's what I, I can do. It's, and then I, I make decisions about my surroundings from the information I get from my, my surroundings to achieve certain actions, achieve certain values and goals. I understand. I'm, I'm, we are a goal-oriented creature. I, I understand what your, the conception is. I, okay. It just seems extremely dubious because you're you're not you're just there's tons of components of you. You're tons of neurons engaging with each other. Okay. Um, you know, engaging with external objective forces, and all these forces are clashing together mm -hmm. to create an outcome. This is normal cause and effect. You're saying all these things are coming together, and actually, there's a huge branching path of endless numbers of different choices that any uh, any of these factors could produce. That's cosmic randomness. Um, no, what that, I'm that's the theory. What I'm what I'm saying is basically, if you have inanimate objects like billiard balls, and another billiard ball hit, hit another billiard ball, and then as a result of the first one hitting the second one in a particular angle with a particular force, and the billiard ball billiard ball would move in a particular direction based on that cause and effect. But I think that biological creatures, because they need to make certain decisions to survive, to continue living, to to seek food and water, and a variety of different things. That is their type of cause and effect. If they, just, if they don't take any actions and they just stand in one place and wait to die, which they can do if they choose to, then, that, then they don't need, to, then they don't need to, to worry about making those decisions and looking for those things. It's irrelevant. Yeah, I think the problem is you're conflating um, or you're pretending there's any difference uh, between the yeah, actual I, mechanics. Yeah, animate and inanimate um, objects have some difference, yes. No, so, so the interaction between neurons in your brain um, mm -hmm. should produce one outcome. And I, I'm just going to walk you, walk you through the actual like, thought experiment, right? So you, you say, like, um, we're in the wilderness, right? You're sure. in the wilderness, and you want food. Now, did you decide to want food, right? A thought pops into your mind, you want food. You didn't think about thinking that you wanted food, right? It just popped into your mind. Uh, let right? me, let me, I, I understand. Let me, I, I do need, I, I admit already that I, as a, as a living organism, I need food to survive. So that is, not well, something I have mind, right? Well, that's not something I have control over per se. Like my body will give me like some sort of starving signal, internal signal, and then I have to say, well, I'm hungry now. I'm low on energy. If I don't find something soon, I'll have I have to make some. I have to start making decisions in my in my head about well, what actions to take. But I I would just, say this. So I, I, let me to, let, let me give you a, let me give you to based on your wood scenario. I would give I would say. This. I let's say I have three ways of interpreting my environment let's say I, I i see some light and i see shadows and i have and and i get that you know sensory data and i see as a result of those shadows the, the shadows from the light look menacing and i have three ways to uh three ways to evaluate i can either calmly sit down and rationally say so look this is this is shadows um from a light source I can either go investigate a bit further. They don't look like anything I've seen before, and, and they may be, be nothing. Second option is I can say, oh, the god of darkness has just uh, come and, and attacked me, and I have to obey him. I have to now kneel before him, or I will die, because I've seen the god of darkness now. Or I can say, you know, let's just this, take this the This is a modality example. problem. There's a modality problem. Well, um, it's, it's, so the way I, it's the way I make decisions, basically. It's either just, rational just, or irrational. Just, just, just please hear me out, because uh, sure. I think you're going to understand what I'm saying if you, if you actually hear me out. 
So like what you're saying is what you can do, right? You can do that. Like physically, an entity in your, in your um, position could do all those things. The question is what you will do. And so what I was trying to illustrate to you is whenever you, uh, you know, a thought pops into your mind, you don't actually write that thought. That thought just pops in. So it can pop in, I'm hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look up and you, just, you feel like you should look up. So you look up and you're like, oh, what's that? There's some bright stuff over there. Oh, what's that? You're, you think to look, you don't control the, this, this process. All the thoughts just come out into your head. You can't argue that you actually are the, the author of your own thoughts. It's a, like a ridiculous so I, position. My position is that I can control what I focus on. So that, can you control your thoughts? I don't think I can control entirely my thoughts. I think some thoughts come into my head, but I can control my focus. Yeah, well, I mean... It, have Honestly, you, have, if, you can, if you can see one, you can see the other. So, like right now, let, right? let's. Uh, well, you, you can use you can use your example, but after you finish your example, I'll I'll give an example that you may agree with. So, so yeah, you end up looking at the berries, and you think again, I want to eat those berries. I like berries. You didn't choose to do any of those things either, and so then you go over there and you eat it. Right now, you 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 can't really choose in this instance to change the author of your thoughts. You can't rewrite them. Uh, you, this is really, if you want to defend that position, I guess you can, like, you can't say, well, actually I choose to not like, I don't like blueberries. That's the thought that I don't want. I, I'm going to choose a different thought in this instance to pop into my brain. Did I in choose order for you to... to choose a different thought? You have to think about choosing a different thought. You have to think about the thought before you thought it. Yeah. I'm not sure. An endless cycle. Yeah. I, I don't but, think I, again, I, I'm still maintaining my position. Like if I, if I saw the berries, if I, if I focused on the berries, I ignored everything else, but I saw the berries. I said, I go to the berries, I somehow have to make a choice to either are these berries deadly or not think about it at all and just eat the berries. So, so potentially it, it can die. pop into your head. It pops into your head. Are these berries deadly? And then it pops into your head. Yes or no. That's, it pops into your head. You don't yeah, choose that. It pops in. So this is presuppositionalism. And I don't agree with your, with your position on this. And, and again, I, I can... I can try to give you a different example where you may agree with my position. Well, like so, no, just, just tell me, can you, can you choose that it pops into your head um, that I think I, they're I, poisonous? I, if, so I, I, I can have two situations. Either I'm, like I'm in, a, in a rush, or I'm think, either I'm thinking irrationally or thinking rationally. If, if I'm thinking irrationally or I'm not thinking and just doing it without thinking deeply about it, then I may just eat the berries quickly and not think of the consequences five minutes late so if i'm in a bit a more question. if i'm in a bit more calm state and i think rationally but maybe there will be some consequences i have to think about do i know what will happen have i seen other do i have a reference where i've seen someone else eat a berry and they die as a result of it or if i have this no is, reference at all then maybe i don't so this is this is the problem this is the problem so what what determines what you're in a, if you're in a calm state or not that's a purely physical process the, the level of calmness right i can inject you right now um, with like 50 cc's of like cocaine or something, and you're going to be balls to the wall like insane, right? And this is the same thing that happens with our physical environments. It affects our neurochemicals very, very deeply. So my question is, when you look at the blueberries, can you decide to think, oh, they're poisonous? Can you author that thought? Or is that the position you want to take? My position is that, that if I choose to think yes, rationally no. about solving a particular problem, I can come to better conclusions. Yes, yes or no. Can you author your, that thought? I answered, I answered the question. You're not, you're not, is, okay, then you can just say it as a yes or no. It's so a I, I think I have to take a step back. Can I think, 
can it come to my mind that these are poisonous? So do you author that thought? I don't know what, what you mean by author. Does it pop into my so, head? So do you choose to think, are these poisonous? Do you choose that, to think that? I think if I put myself in a more rational position, that will pop into my mind. So I don't know if I can, if I can say necessarily. I'm, I'm not sure on philosophy of mind in this particular case. But, so I believe, but I believe that if I can, if I'm calmer and more rational about it, that, that, that thought could come into my mind more easily. So the, the thoughts come into your mind, and the thoughts determine your decision. And your level of calmness no, I don't think is, so. a, is, a, is this is an um, a th- orthogonal variable, which you also don't have control over. Neither of the things we're talking about, either your thoughts or your state of being, are things you have control over. And so these part, are, these are part the of the de- again, part of the decision process is if I'm thinking rationally during that decision process or not? Rational. Okay, well, that's, that's a good question. So we have like methodologies that I'm not going to go into it now, but you have, a, you have the option of being rational or being, or not, being rational means you have to think more deeply, like you have to exert more energy or not, or just but doing it just like happens. without being rationally. But that, that just happens. You don't no, choose I that. don't think so. That I do happens. think I choose that. Yeah, I mean, you think you do, right? Yes, the thought I'm... pops into your mind. Okay, maybe I should think about this rationally. Can I give you the example then? Tell me what you think. A different I mean, example. Like, I like to stick with one example because, like, I, I answered feel like, your question. Uh... I answered your question. Go ahead. Did you ever try meditation? Yeah, sure. What in your meditation? What is the? What do you focus on? Uh, tons of different thoughts pop into my mind. Who is who is the it that is focusing on stuff? Uh, the it. Yeah. What what is what is making the decision to focus on? My, my, I'm not making that. You're presupposing a decision. Well, who? Right, just no just when you when, when you're meditating, closing your eyes, you just there's no sensory data from the outside world, and you can either choose to, to focus or not focus on something. What is, is it? Is it you that? Is, it, is there a you that's choosing to focus on something or not focus on something? I, insofar as I exist, I'm observing thoughts that are popping into my mind, which okay. is obviously true. My neurons are firing, and, they're the, and all my memories and everything within this brain is, is the product of biological and physical forces, and they're firing in objective ways. One cause, one effect. Great. Um, and Great. I'm observing so, it. So a thought pops into your mind. You think about it, you say, I'm, I don't want to think about this right now. Thought goes away. Another thought so, comes into your mind. I, I, I do, I do, want to think about, I do want to focus on this. And you wait, focus wait. on. Wait, wait, I don't want to focus on this right now. I didn't choose to think that either. That also popped in, right? No. <laughs> so I don't want to think about that. Yeah, that's another, that's another thing. No, wait, that's are, not. Do you want to say that, that you make that choice to not want to think about something? Sure. You can okay. absolutely so, evade so something. How do you, how did you how did you make that choice right you had to think about it you you can't just make a choice without thinking about you it you think i can't evade think, uh, from thinking about something i don't want to think about it right now it's too painful no so you you can you the the desire and the decision the thought okay i don't want to think about this right now okay look we're just we're just go, we're just going on presuppositionism here i i'm i'm trying to to bridge to have like a bridge between us but it's not it's not going to happen 
So I think we should well, just I mean, move it's, on. It's because the, the free will position is that somehow there, there's some like spirit within us that authors these thoughts. Ah, so you think I'm religious. You, you, think, you think that agreeing with me means that you agree to a religious position. That's what, so that's if, what no, you're if fighting you're a physicalist, If you're a physicalist... Oh, hold on, hold on. I, right, so I understand, I understand the hesitancy now. So I'm, not, I'm an atheist, right? But uh, you, think I, that, you think that agreeing that there's a... There's a conscious inside it means you have to adopt like a religious position. That's why you're you're hesitant. If you're a physicalist, then your position is absolutely incoherent. Um, the only positions you can have as a physicalist <sighs> and being ideologically consistent are compatibilism or determinism. That, that's the okay, only I, way. I understand, for- I understand your position. I understand that. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. Let's uh, move on. Have you have you read like have you like read theory on this like have you like do you have like some sort of free will? Um, I, I'm not the, I'm not the, so to some degree, this isn't my area of expertise. Uh, like I I would do more epistemology, and and the rest I would like a little, and the rest I would do like a economic. So I'm not like a philosophy major. Or I'm not I'm a computer science major, but I'm not uh, in my spare time I study epistemology. I'm aware of free will. I have debated free will before. My free will is definitionally different than people typically expect me to argue for. Um, but yeah, so I, I can't claim to be like a, a philosopher, but I am. I do believe in, in what I've said, and, and it is fundamental to a lot of other things in my philosophy. But I'm not, oh, well, uh, reli- I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not religious, if that's, uh, if that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I just recommend like... like Please, uh, let's uh, move the, on. The, 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 the free will uh, story is is really out of vogue. Uh, I mean, you can, you can, I, I hey? suggest maybe adopting compatibilism. That that's a much more defensible position. I wouldn't oh. base your, uh, okay. So if people, if people don't have free will, then like, obviously the question could be like in a, in a, in a social or political sense, then why, why put them in prison or cause they, they didn't, you know, make oh, their own there's, decisions, there's stuff totally like that. Reasons to do that. Of course. Right. So this is like a very common conflation. Uh, whenever people first hear the story of determinism. So just because, um, you know, people, there's not like some sort of independent, like, um, spirit or something that's interacting with cause and effect. And it's its own in- in- internal, um, cause, uh, does not mean that incentives don't affect individuals. Of course they do. Right. Like we, there's tons of experiments with rats, right? So if you shock them for doing something, they don't like doing it. Right. And that's, that's the whole point of prison. We shock people for doing things that are bad and we give them money, uh, and rewards for doing things that are good. Right. But they're not to blame for what they've done. Right. They're not immoral for doing taking an action because they have no control well, over it. So moral, um, moral as a descriptor for individuals can still exist with this framework. Um, it's just not ontological. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not really clear on that last sentence. I'm gonna have to explain that in a different so, way. So, like, like them as like um, some sort of inherent character is like not moral. Is not like like in fundamentally. Um, immoral i guess i would say it, the, the definition of morality just changes in this instance so we use a different definition than like free will folks would but it, it we could still totally call things immoral i'm um, in the same way that we do now just for slightly different reasons what reasons would that be but just bef- before you explain the, but the person just so i understand the, what you where you're coming from the person is essentially a robot running a, a piece of software and reacting to the environment they didn't choose to 
murder something. It could be because of their upbringing. It could be because they had a hard life or whatnot. It could be because the other person said something that triggered their anger. And that's what happened. But it's not that they made any decisions themselves because they don't have free will. Yeah, basically, it's, that's fair enough, right? Okay. And I would assume that the government or us are basically robots running scripts, robots running software, and passing like incentives and other piece of like software to, so that other people will run that software. And that's basically society. Yeah, so we, we want to feel good. Um, and so some of us have thoughts and ideas. What does it matter if we feel that. good or not? Um, that's, that's what we want descriptively, right? What so, does like, it, a, even what a robot does it matter if we do or not, though? What, what is it, why is it important? What does it matter? So, yes. what does matter mean? Why, if, if we don't feel any pleasure at all throughout our whole life, so what? We do. No, let's say we don't. So, what? What will happen? Um, we won't like that. Sure, but so what? But, well, we care about what we like, don't we? I thought so we were just robots why, running, running scripts, is, though. The reason why this is a got you uh, is because you think that like matter is something that's not defined by what we want. Of course it's defined by what we want, right? No, I'm just um, asking, so reason, why, why is it so important that we feel more pleasure and less pain? It's, it's important to hey, us. On a society, sorry, on a societal point, why is it important? We want that. That's, that's what makes us happy. And what makes us happy is what we want. So intuitive moral decisions, moral judgments? Uh, intuitive moral judgments, are you talking about like trolley problem intuitions or what are you talking no, about? No, no, like we, we want it, it feels good, that's why we should do it. Yeah, I mean, everything comes down to intuitions, even rationality and math. So, I mean, if you don't believe in any sort of intuitionism... No, it's just completely subjective. It, it's just completely right? subjective, right? Like it, something can... Well, no, no. No, 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 no. Um, you, you could totally be a realist and believe in intuition. Actually, most realists are intuitionists. Right? Sorry, so I'm, so I'm the, not... same, the same intuitions that allow us to believe in math and rationality can be mm-hmm. applied to ethics. But isn't there like a, an element where rationality kind of integrates with reality better? Like we, we observe reality more rationally, we're able to come to more correct decisions for argument's sake isn't those are this gets really linguistically messy just trust me when i say when i tell you that everything comes down to intuition so your perception that there isn't a reality the assumption that it is something external to you that you can trust your senses that you can interact with these are all intuitions you have no right. idea that they're true so <laughs> you just okay so so we're robots we can't we don't even know if if we are here where we are because we can't exactly trust our senses well, you're, you feel like you can right and so that's good enough for us right what what what, are, what is the function of our senses then just uh, sorry thinking reasonably what is the function of our senses what are they supposed to do for us i i, I don't think that's uh, i don't even know if i can accept the premise of that question okay let's say let's say something external to you let's say you see a dog and you can see and you can observe that that dog has a sense of smell. What's the function of the sense of smell to that dog? So, so we, whenever we look around, we, we assume that our intuitions, we feel that our intuitions are representing a real world that exists external to our minds, right? We, it's an intuition and we believe it, right? And we no. have this intuition about what logic is. We don't, it's not an intuition. <laughs> it's not intuition. We get sensory data. That's just, we, we, it's part of our, it's part of our identity. It's part of our nature. We, this is no, no, no. who we are. It's fundamental no. to who we are. No, no, no. 
<laughs> no, there's this there's really this is really probably like it is it is an intuition that this is real. It is no. an intuition. We feel that this is real. There's no way for me to prove this is real other than through my observations. I just choose to believe it's real. You don't choose to believe it's real. Your senses give you data about reality that tell you this is external to you and you can touch it, you can see it. That's not a that's not a choice like it You'll no, get it's, it. It's, it's 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 intuition that it is real. You can see things that aren't real. Well, I, what, it, why why is this funny? I don't understand. It's very basic, fundamental stuff. Can no, you explain this, to me no, this, why is this like a crazy idea that we have sight so that we are able to see stuff? Let's say we didn't have sight, right? And it's not part of our fundamental human nature as humans, and we just bump into stuff a lot, right? So, so I mean, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing because your, your name is Philosophical Zombie Hunter, but this is like, this is, this is intuitionism. This is like, this intuition. Is like, um, it, it, look, I don't, I don't know if you know, but like in terms of philosophy, or people who, who study it, like consequentialism and utilitarianism is like the lowest rung of the, of, like philosophy. I'm, I'm not one of them. I'm more of an economist, let's say. I don't know if I can fully say that about myself, but I'm more study on, 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 on economy. But they don't take utilitarianism very seriously at all. I'm not sure you can walk into like a philosophy class and claim superior knowledge to anyone else in there just because you come from consequentialist background. No, that's, that's certainly not. Um, are you, are no, you sure? Intuitionism, intuitionism undergirds most of intu- uh, deontology. And also, intuitionism? Um, in, sorry? In, intu- intuitionism Which deontology? Kantian deontology? Most of virtue ethics and uh, and um, objective deontology, realist deontology, is based on intuitions. Intuitionism is like the most basic form of realist. Uh, how are you analysis. defining? Sorry, maybe I'm misunderstanding. How are you defining intuitionism? You want me to pull up the actual philosophical definition? No, just what it? you think it is. Sorry, maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. That our indi- our intuitions ultimately undergird. What does intuition mean? Like how we value things is an intuition. No, so, so like extremely strong internal feelings of like some some truth value like we have to have that so we have to like our feeling that that the world that we see is a real world that's extremely important and we have to accept that intuition in order for us to interact with it our like rationality you can't you can't derive rationality um because you have to be rational to do so our belief that rationality is true is an intuition so that's that's another thing. Now there's laws of logic that interact with rationality. There's a certain component that you have to accept because of the intuition. So that's no, what I, I mean. I th- I, I'm not. I I have to say uh, this is a. I have not heard this position before. I've heard of using intuition to make moral judgments, but saying that everything is intuition is not something I've heard. It's, it's not. It's not everything, but I mean, uh, I have so many philosophical friends. Uh, if you you know, want to get more introduced to this, that I'm more of into economics as well. But I mean, into, like this element of intuitionism is not really the disputed part. The disputed part is the application to ethics. Um, but I'd say actually, I think most philosophers are intuitionists. Um, I'm not, I believe. I'm not sure about that. Not, I, non, it depends. On, depends how you define it. I suppose depends how you define it, but. Uh... I, mean, I uh, I'll, ad- I'll, ad- I'll admit that this is a new position. I I, I uh, even like for the senses, from a particular point of view, I can I can use inductive reasoning and and come to the conclusion that my senses is true. Like you know, if I want to uh, come, uh, up, with an, come, come up with an come up with an axiom, if I want to come up with an axiom and say my senses are true, I I can go through the process of justifying it, reasoning it, and then say wait, okay, how, my senses are wait true. Wait a second, wait a second. 
Okay. Okay. How do you know? How do you know logic is is the path to correct analysis? How do I know logic? So I would say logic is non-contradictory identification. Well, you define it as such. You you just define it as a non-contradiction, and you just non-contradictory identification. So if there's two different things, like a like a chair and a table, and when I receive like data from my sensor and say, well, this is this is not this chair is not a table, and this table is a table. Because otherwise, like that will contradict. Like if I say that both of them are the same thing, they're, they're clearly not, and that's what my logic and reason. Okay, how do you so, know that's true? How do I know it's true? So it's not that. So I can, I have to justify that it is true, and I can justify that it is true because it's fundamental to to, to what I am to as as a human. So right. non non contradiction identification is just one of the different identifications that I have. I have uh, sight, sound, touch. Well, this is well, other you... forms of identification, and that, that makes me conscious of my surroundings. If I didn't have these things, then it would be more difficult for, or it'd be difficult for me to exist in, in reality because I won't be able to identify my surroundings. I, I, I think this is not a very coherent definition at all. Um, it's, so, so it's simple. So, you, so if you, I'm if surprised. You, if you I'm really believe... so that my prob. So you're wait, essentially wait, asking just... me a. Well, one second, sorry. You're essentially asking me a presuppositionist question of someone who's um, who believes in God and and is taking like the transcendental deduction. So how do you know logic is real? Because God gave you logic, and without God you can't have logic. And I'm saying because. Logic is non-contradictory non identification. I have other forms of identification of my surroundings, like sight and sound. Logic, logic is part of it. And that helps me, you know, exist in reality because I need to be conscious of my surroundings, take certain actions to continue living. It, it, you're, you, like, I guess you have to try to do all these mental gymnastics to get around... What mental gymnastics? It, so you're saying that I, in order for me to exist, I must believe uh, that non-contradiction is is the path to truth. You, you could, it's, it's, totally it's, fundament, it's fundamental to who I am. Just like a dog has a sense of space. It's, it's a fundamental to... intuition. It's a fundamental it's a, intuition. The, when you it's see possible. a dog, when, when something is external to you, right? When you see a dog external to you and you see that the dog has a sense of smell, would you not say that's fundamental to its existence, that it has that sense. There can be dogs without a sense of smell. There can be. We can imagine. That, yeah, a like we can of be you. blind. We can have. We can be. We can. We can we, not we, have a mouth. We can miss the leg. But in general, when you have like when you identify a dog as a dog, and he does have a sense of smell, would you not say that that's fundamental to its existence? Obviously, a, a dog doesn't have a sense of smell for a sense of existence. But please don't don't cut me off. I try, I try to listen to okay, you. Okay, let's uh, uh, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> Wait a second, you're doing no, it right no, no. Now. Let's uh, let's move uh, on. Just 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 I, we can imagine a version of you which has no sense of non-contradiction. They they believe that contradiction is. They don't see any reason why contradiction uh, is is makes something invalid. That's totally possible. Do you, do you reject that? I reject that. So, so you just would not exist. Like if you didn't believe that was true, you would not exist. So there's no. Are, are you familiar? Are you familiar with Aristotelian saying that man is a rational animal? I mean, it's obviously untrue because there's extremely irrational, irrational humans. So you're saying man does not have the capacity to be rational? Whoa, 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 whoa! Conflation of the century. Uh, I'm saying that that humans are not fundamentally always rational. You could be irrational and still be a human. Yeah, humans uh, don't even, fundamentally even that identity always doesn't open. Even matter. 
Humans don't always open their eyes. They can sometimes close them, but they still have the capacity to open their eyes and see the outside world, right? So, so, so are you saying that if a, if a human didn't have the capacity to open its eyes anymore, it just wouldn't exist? No, I'm not. It would have had no eyes. Then it would, then it would be a limited human. It would have limited okay, sensory okay. data so, from the environment. So we can imagine a limited you that doesn't have this capacity. Then I think I'd be a vegetable if I didn't have the capacity. To, to be rational? Okay. I'd be like, I, mean, I don't care. I'd be like lying in bed you... or something, or I don't know, like my. Wait, the, I don't. I, I'm could, not sure. I think I'll be a vegetable in some kind of hospital if I didn't have that capacity. You could, you could be deeply irrational, and your brain can still operate. But it, and it doesn't matter what you identify it as. It's totally conceivable. Um, it's not a but justification. You, you, but but hold on. You don't. You don't think in general. You can say that a human would have the capacity to be rational, have sight, sound, you know, eyes, ears, mouth, sense of smell, sense of taste, stuff like that. That's not like I think an these identity. Are characteristics that, I think these are characteristics that many humans have. I don't see how this relates at all um, to the justification for it. So you could say humans have this uh, characteristic, right? Humans yeah. have the characteristic of believing that non-contradiction is uh, important for truth. I'm saying that's an intuition. This is a very, this is a super common thing among humans. Almost every human has this. We call it an intuition. Now, we don't, we, we can't derive it using any sort of rationality because we have to use non-contradiction to get it. It's just a feeling. No. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to a, um, a server uh, where they, I guess they could try to explain this to you better than me. Um, Look, the thing with the metaphysics is to some degree, like, I won't know it as well as someone else, but, but uh, that's why I'd like to move on. But, I, but even on but, this <laughs> fundamental level, I disagree. You need to be able to concede on some of these points, but like you're, what you're, like you can't defend this position. Look, the, we're going into an area. I, I just, I again, I, I've said what I've said with God that these are part of my part of the identity of being human, and these are fundamental to to humans' existence to have these characteristics. The, the na- nature, be, those, the nature of you, you, you know, like you know, like the law of identity, right? Um, I hope you you agree. Was that an intuition as well? Uh, the sh- the law of identity is one hundred percent intuition. Uh, great. Of course it is. So, <laughs> can I, can I just say um, the law of identity? Right, you're saying it's intuition. Is it an absolute? No, it's not an absolute intuition. I, I didn't so, say it's an intuition. Is it an absolute law of the of reality of existence of the universe? However, you'd like to f- phrase it. I mean, and uh, how we perceive it. Um, I don't know. Like you're, you, you conflate a lot of things uh, whenever we talk. Like, I, like the terms. Okay. To to be fair, like I'm not strong. I'm not strong in this particular area, and I'm trying. I'm trying to like explain. I'm, I won't be as good explaining this because it's not really my. Like I, I understand it. I may not be good at explaining it very well, or maybe good to use use it in a in a in a in a sentence to a particular example. But I'm just trying to, to say like so. The laws of logic in the universe, are, are they real or are they intuition? Uh, <laughs> so the intuitionist position would be that there, you can, so our, our perception of a real world is an yeah. intuition, and then you could, de- you could describe the laws of logic as fundamental intuitions, which would make them real under that, those definitions. This is a linguistic sure, thing. Sure, sure, but it's, but, but if, but if, other people around the world, let's say one person on one side of the plant, another person on the one on the other side, uses the laws of logic to solve a particular problem or to take a particular action based on the results of using the laws of logic. 
would that still hold? Because it's the, is it the case that the laws of, logic, laws of logic exist outside of us and can be replicated from one person on one side of the planet and to another person on the other? I mean, surely the laws of logic can be applied by multiple different individuals. Um, and the fact that it's a commonly held individual uh, intuition implies its objectivity. Oh, so, um, so, so, the, sure. so it's objective because many people hold the same belief. Well, it's, it, it seems like the intuition is so fundamental, right? So it's actually really funny how your, your, um, your position actually integrates very well with intuitionism. It's just well, I'm asking, the I'm asking you if, if like many people subjectively experience something, therefore objective. That, that, okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm asking you, is that the case? So we, we would say if it seems that this um, conviction um, is so universal – Mm -hmm. um, so as to be among basically every single human that we've seen, uh, with, you know, like, like any mental capacity to actually communicate, uh, like enunciate themselves. Um, then we could say, okay, we, this is probably just, uh, it's called phenomenal conservatism. It's the idea that our strongest intuitions, um, uh, we can assume are indicative of some sort of universal truth that, that exists outside of us. So w I'll phrase it. You tell me if I phrase it correctly. So we, we observe the pattern, let's say Aristotle came up with the laws of logic or his particular version of laws of logic, he, he noticed a particular pattern in the universe, he observed something, he applied rationality or a particular method of, of I'm saying, but you don't have to agree, he applied a particular method of observing using his rationality, and he discovered a pattern in the universe that's been true for 2,500 years after his passing. Um, I'm not really sure what specific, so you're saying like, um, all the agree? laws of logic be contributed. Sorry, what did you say? Can you repeat that? Are, are you saying all the laws of logic he contributed? He discovered, he, he noticed patterns in reality outside of, he observed reality and he noticed patterns using a certain like method of, of, well, the laws of logic and concluded these laws, laws of logic. So, so you, you would say that he's, uh, so the laws of logic that he contributed specifically. Um, so I think, um, I'm not super sure about how, which number of the laws of logic that exist, um, he contributed. I'm, I'm not positive about it. Let, let, uh, just but, let's say one that he found okay, a particular, okay. found a particular law of logic and it's held well for 2000. Everyone who uses yeah, it consistently it, gets repeated. And it, so it, we, we could test it based on our intuition that the world is real and, uh, the scientific method. We can test it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it seems true to us, to our strongest convictions, then we could probably say it's more likely than not that it's true, right? And so if you're a realist, that's what, what, what you're saying. What does, what does that mean, more, more likely than not that it's true? It's all, that's phenomenal. It's consi consistently true. It consistently, you don't think it's consistently true or consistently exists outside of us in reality? It's a pattern so, in reality? So, so this, the seeming of truth, the seeming of truth, is what we're talking about. Right, you don't believe, you, it's all intuition, you don't believe that we can know for a fact, right? Well, how could we know something for a fact? Never mind, I'm not going to get into that right now. But you, you don't, we can't know for a fact, so it, it's more likely, that the possibility is high, but you can't say for a fact that it exists outside of us, even though it's replicatable billions of times since his passing. Well, <laughs> so replicatable in the world as we observe it. Yeah. 
Right. So absolute knowledge is obviously something that we, we can't have. No human can have absolute knowledge. I'm not saying we're omniscient. Sure. Well, we can't be absolutely sure of anything um, because there's constraints. Oh, and good. We can't be fundamentally sure of the accuracy of our perception. Can we be thoughts it's, it's possible for you to exist in a reality. You're perceiving a reality that is just not correct. Great. Right? Can, we can we be thoughts Can we be thoughts No. Can we have contextual certainty? I don't know what you mean by that. A certain, in, a, in a certain context, we've done everything we can and we're certain that something in reality. It depends on our definition. Well, I defined it. So, well, you define certainty, right? Oh, so how can, in your, well, what, do you, what would you understand if I say certainty? So, so there's different modalities of certainty. So there's different definitions of it for in different contexts right so one is like since i don't believe that we can ever absolutely know that our perceptions are accurate i'm going to say that any perception we have we can never be absolutely sure we can only be it, it seems very likely right um so there's a different definition of certainty right because since nothing can be certain then the, the word loses its meaning right so we could say that given that we believe we, we accept our fundamental intuitions of like logic and of our perception of the world then if we if we accept those then we can be certain right and so then i i would that's the definition that i think is more useful in this context and i would say yes with that definition you so we, we can we can achieve certainty, under, can achieve under, certainty those. under that definition yes okay okay let's get back I, I, to the really, let's get back to the main topic then I, I really don't think, actually, um, upon further review, you're going to disagree with me. Uh, I'm not the best at explaining these things in, like, the, I guess, easiest to fall away. I, I, I interact with, like, a lot of philosophy nerds, so sometimes I understand that like, the lingo I may use is really strange. But I, I'm going to invite you to a Discord server, and they will definitely explain this much better than me. I think you'll end up agreeing with it because you seem like a very reasonable person. Thank you for and that it, compliment. Can be yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm not reasonable. I'm highly disagreeable. Uh, well, you're highly disagreeable, but I also think that uh, you want to believe you want to um, uh, believe what's true, and you have a capacity for reason. So maybe in the moment you may just disregard everything I say and have a strong conviction that it's absolutely wrong. Right back uh, to the back to the economic sorry uh, taxes or theft or, or whatnot topic. Yeah, dancing around does it irritate you? Does existence it irritate of the you universe almost. Sorry. Does it irritate you that I smile like No, go ahead. Smile away. Okay. It, it's it's not it's not um, you know, this is not like some sort of debate tactic because there's nobody watching. I just am naturally like this. Um, hey, yeah. probably a good outlook on life to constantly smile. Let let your smile be your umbrella. Amazing. See? Yeah. This is this is always how I've been. People think I'm like trying to be mean. I'm I'm really I just I enjoy it. Anyway, so yeah. Um Taxation is tough, so you want to raise your... But bear, bear in mind, sorry, just just can I appreciate, if you can appreciate, my position is that I do believe that there are uh, universals out there, and I, I'll try in this conversation to tweak my explanation to a consequentialist, but just bear in mind that I do believe there are things like human nature, there's things like humans, things like human nature, and that certain rights and laws uh, correspond with that. I mean, I would say I, I do believe there's humans. I do believe there is human nature. I, I would also just say that there are certain rights 
that almost always seem to produce very good consequences. Okay. Like property um, rights, yeah? I just wouldn't yeah? say that they're like... Like property strong. rights, right? Yeah, I, I, I think they, they're context-dependent. Um, context-dependent, sure. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk. Hit me. Um, what's, I mean, I, I would just say that in, in the case of our society, um, it, it seems like it, it's not the most utilitarian thing to define property rights as one where the mechanism of taxation is um, you know, just always going to be inherently bad. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, so if, so if, let's just argue, I'll argue as a, as a libertarian just for argument's sake. I'm not, I'm not exactly hold, I'm not exactly a libertarian. I don't agree with, with some of the things, but I'll argue just for the sake of it so it's just easier. Sure, sure. So, so we say we have property rights, say property rights are important for a, B, for a variety of reasons, which I'm sure you would agree with, so I'll skip that. Why is it okay for a government to uh, violate our property rights and, and tax us, so on and so forth? So, so I would say that, that, that taxation is just another assertion of property rights, um, and I think um, it's Who's? an appropriate assertion within certain confines. Um, Sorry, whose property so, rights is it? Asserting? Uh, social. Oh, society has rights on your property. Well, uh, your property. <laughs> That's begging the question, right? Sorry. Um, so for my, for my understanding, you say it's not actually your property, like 50% of your property belongs to society. I would say that no, nobody has any like inherent property. We're, we're defining property rights in a way that is maximal to utility. So we're going to choose how to do that. That includes a lot of private property. I think private property rights are super important. I think the government does a lot of really bad stuff. But I don't think the optimal level of taxation is 0%. Okay, right. but stay, stay with me on the individual right before we move to the rate of taxation. Um, so it, it seems to me to some degree that my I don't really have clear or maybe at all property rights depend on how society views it. So I can't expect that if I work hard now, I will receive what I worked hard for. I mean, well, it, it does depend on how society views it, obviously, because they can change your tax right now or yep. change regulations, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm in a kind of a state of limbo, whereas what is mine and what isn't mine? I don't really know. Well, we never know, right? Even in anarchism, uh, people could choose to not respect the social norms about property. Right, but sorry, I, I mean, if I if I'm whittle a, a chair, a wooden chair, and let's say I I go to someone across the street called Bob, I sell Bob the chair, he pays me this money. I don't know how much money I I can keep from me working to make the chair and selling that chair off, right? Because it can change, it varies. It's not necessarily I mean, mine. I'm not really sure. Uh, well, I mean, you can know the tax rate you pay now. I guess they could implement a wealth tax later and get you again. I mean, you can never Wonderful. be certain yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I so mean, that's bad. I, I don't think they should do that. Uh, but like, you, we never know, right? Don't you think that like a degree of certainty of, well, I, I, it's not that it's ever changing, but don't you think like that? Um, if, if I get to keep more of what I do in terms of taxation, would that help me? Like, I would feel sure. more pleasure and, and less pain. Sometimes, sometimes it would be it would help us uh, with pleasure um, to 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 not tax, right? Um, I well, think just just times, for, just from an indiv- from egoistic egoistic point of view. Oh sure, would you, I? You never want to pay taxes. Yeah, sure, you never want to pay taxes. Okay, so why is it okay for the government to even do that if it's causing me more suffering and less pleasure? 
Well, because, I mean, the government chose those property rights in the first place. Or society. It could be norms. No, that's, it could just be... stay with me here. Why is it morally okay? I mean, I know it has the, the option, too, because it has the monopoly of force. But why is it okay? From, from my point of view, why is it okay for the government to do that? Well, so... <laughs> The, the problem is I'm not saying just descriptively. I'm saying that the, the property rights, like the ideal property rights morally are determined by consequences. Sure. So, well, and, and, and the consequences for me is the, that I have less... For you. Well, but I am looking at the consequences for me. But, you, but you're an, um, we're not egoists, right? We're consequentialists um, at the like, social level. We're impartial, right? So like, ethics is not determined by what you like, right? Like I like it if I could kill my worst enemies, but that doesn't matter. That's still wrong. So okay. I, I think I uh, so you agreed before that you know feeling more pleasure and feeling less pain is, is something that we like and we want. Yeah. So now I have to subjugate myself to society because and put my feelings of pain and pleasure aside and consider how all of society experiences pleasure and pain. Um, you don't have to do that. How um, would I do even that if even if I wanted to? So, I mean, even if everyone's egoistic... Um, yeah, everyone is egoistic, but go on. Yeah, I mean, so you could be... If you want to be a, like an absolute psychological hedonist... Not psychological... Believe... E- sure, sure. I, sorry, you, you go ahead and answer the question. Yeah, so if you want to be like... Um, like you, we could say psychological egoism. Even then, actually, you can still totally justify being altruistic uh, because of the paradox of hedonism. So it seems that actually thinking about society and thinking about others leads to more pleasurable lives um, than, than ones where you're like super so self-concerned about keeping as much as possible for yourself and doing as well for yourself, right? Okay, let's, uh, I'll, take, I'll give you a real life example. I, uh, I get taxed quite a lot. I get taxed something between 54 and 58% of the revenue that I work with. Sure. Um, if that is taking money away from myself and my family, uh, I am unable to save for retirement as of yet. And here in the UK, everything is, except for healthcare, sorry, everything is private when you, when you retire. Sure. Um, so you have to like factor that in and you have to save and, and the pension companies are being very difficult. They're, they're basically saying, look, you have to bit of a slight, you have to save 44,000 pounds to get 1000 pounds a year in retirement. So it's, you have to save really a lot. And I also like to, you know, help my, my kids, uh, pay for the college when they're old enough. Sure. So me paying fifty-four to fifty-eight percent of a tax is is harming myself and my family quite severely. I'm 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 suffering quite a lot. I'm I'm not able to enjoy myself. I'm not able to go on fancy vacations. I'm not able to to really enjoy my life. And even if you look at it from a society point of view, why is it fair on me that I need to suffer this much for society? That is my question. Well, so society is going to be the aggregate of our all of our individual interests under your view, right? So all of us have specific interests. We want as much for ourselves as possible and as but, less for everyone else as possible, under your view. Right? But That's I am, what we, I, care, about. we why, don't care about. Sure. But why is it okay? I don't, I don't see how you can make the moral case that it's okay to make me suffer, well, so, so, f- make me suffer a lot so other people suffer less. Like, what is... What is the, the justification? Well, because consequences are what matter. Um, I mean, so if you're consequentialist, that's consequences are what matter. Obviously, I need um, an answer. I, I, I just said if you're consequentialist, consequences are what matters. It's you. You don't have like. Um, so, so my my life is necess- is irrelevant. Um, your your specific like you know we can take away slaves from a slave owner, um, and they're not going to like that, and we're going to make them suffer for that. I don't really care. So, uh, so in the context of society, my life is relevant. 
um, well, your, your, your life is irrelevant um, because um, you're an individual within society. Correct, yeah. Um, also, I, I believe in constitutionalism because I think if we let societies like just discriminate against individuals and take away the certain rights, that's going to be really bad. Um, that's going to hurt everybody. Sure, I, I, I appreciate that you're a constitution. I also like a, I consider myself an economic constitutionalist, but um, in the fact that I'm taxed heavily right now, the UK, for example, it's got the highest taxes it's had in 70 years. Uh, it's just the situation here in our country, and I, um, I think I it's like I, I think it's immoral. I think it's immoral to 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 a certain degree. Like I. I can agree, you know, that some things need to be paid for, but I, I have a way of paying for that that doesn't involve coercion. But uh, I, I think that the government mishandles the, mo the money they take from me. I don't agree with how they spend it. I don't think it's doing the good that you are suggesting it does. And I, whoa, 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 and I have a great I'm... deal of suffering for myself and my family. Okay, whoa, whoa, okay. First of all, I'm not, I was not defending all taxation. I wasn't defending the UK for, for goodness sakes. I, I'm but a it's neoliberal. Just the reality. Uh, it's just, it's just like, the reality, though. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. I'm a neoliberal. I'm not saying that taxation is always moral or always good, right? So if taxation leads to more suffering, it's bad. You, are you right? for progressive taxation? Huh? Are you for progressive taxation? I actually wrote an article, The Progressive Case for a Flat Tax. But you can make a utilitarian argument uh, for progressive taxation. I just don't think it's very good. Okay, so let, let's say the situation isn't ideal, but why is it fair that my, that my family is suffering, me and my family is suffering a lot? And to me, it seems, and, and I, I've mentioned this in the, the Substack, that it seems to me like the government is taking staking my money making me suffer and then keeping like a large a large part of it for itself for bureaucracy to pay the bureaucrats and you know inefficiencies of, of let, that just... stuff is bad sure okay right? and then and then giving like a little of it so some someone else suffers less in society so it's basically so, so... it's basically just spreading around the suffering that's that's what we're talking about here so, so, no, so it, it, let's say we let's say we taxed everybody or we taxed carbon emissions and externality and we use the money to save starving children that would, that would reduce suffering a lot um, in the world, and that would be good, right? If we tax people like 80% and we're just using it to like give it to one guy, that's really bad, right? So taxation could be good or bad. I'm saying it's not intrinsically either. Um, you could say often it's bad. So in my case, uh, is it bad? So I guess we'd have to look at line item uh, pieces of the budget, right? I'd say your level of taxation and the level of current funding, like maybe if they reduced their spending and reduced their taxation, they could do it by a certain amount and it would leave everybody or it leave society in general better off. It would reduce suffering. I think there, there's a lot of inefficient expenditures that they have in the UK and they could afford to cut taxes a lot without, um, you know, making society much worse off or anything like that. I think inefficiency, I think inefficiency is inherent in, in government. So it's like, it's a, it's a feature, not a bug. Um, so I would say that, you know, I believe in uh, public choice theory. Um, I think that there's certain elements of states uh, where they can do things that are good. And I think states within certain confines can be net, definitely net positive, uh, for sure. Uh, but so, you know, there's, there's states in certain structures where they can be net negative, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what our counterfactual is. Okay. How would you, how would you know in your consequential system that, so, sorry. So obviously for me, I'm, I'm suffering from an individual's point of view, and even from a family point of view. I'm not sure, communitarian point of view. I'm not sure how you would 
you would th- you would call that, but the, we are losing out. We are not benefiting from this arrangement, and um, you're so saying, you "Well, you well, we can, to... we can." Tw- you're saying essentially, "Well, we can tweak it for it to be better, and then maybe the consequentialist calculus would get to like a a, pos- a positive calculation." So, so whenever we talk about ethics, we're not talking about sure. I'm like talking about how is how is this ethical? Is my question. Wait, 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 wait. So, so, so a couple of things, right? So, first of all, we're, we're objective ethics is impartial. It doesn't care about specific sure. like, individuals. It's universal application. So, our application is maximize utility to everything. Um, can I just add so, a point? Can I just add one point? Here? Sure. In in this kind of situation, I am subjugated to society. So, I'm I'm I, a slave of society. I have to give. I don't I don't accept that terminology. I don't think that's a useful. Okay, let um, let's uh, look at it differently. I have to give oh, fifty eight percent of my Time, energy, life to society, and I get nothing. Well, I get very little. The eighty percent of your of your income is determined by current property rights, which are socially created. But here, let let me just say, you know, uh, my piece, right? Go ahead. So you you could say specifically, like if we're being very specific, it's very easy for us to agree, right? So if you say this taxation going to this spending is leaving people worse off, and I will say yes, get rid of it, right? If you say, well, this system is subjugating me. Well, my question is, what's the alternative system that we can realistically suppose exists, right? If you just abolished all of it. Um, and that's, that gets into really, it's really hard to parse that because we have to make a lot of assumptions. So I'm trying to be very specific so we're not making any crude generalizations. Hello? Okay, okay so I'm not sure, I'm not sure where to go with that. So... If I have a better system, then it would be more ethical to to go with my system. Then, um, so if you have a better system that we that could conceivably exist under like actual um, assumptions, right? You could say that that's preferable. Um, preferable in what context? System. It's a it's it's a better system because it leads to more utility, right? If you're being consequentialist, uh, well, not utility, like better consequence, right? Well, utility is the consequence. Okay. And what if I have a system that leads to better human flourishing? Like the system is set up to maximal human flourishing. Sure, that's a better system. Um, and you could say compared to this system, this system is really bad compared to that one, right? And I could say, well, okay, let, you know, do I think this system is better? Do I think it's realistic? Whatever, whatever. But yeah, that, that's pretty clear, right? Okay, so... Would you like me to convince you of my system? Because I don't think that this system is working even like... I appreciate that you're a neoliberal. E- even in this kind of uh, situation right now that we we caught ourselves in the UK, we we can't borrow... I don't know if you've heard what happened in the last com- couple of months, but we, we can't borrow a lot of money at the moment. We, we're not doing quantitative easing, we're doing quantitative tightening. There isn't enough money for spending. We have to ease of spending slowly. Uh, we're still borrowing a little, but we haven't cut off spending that much. We're, and we have very high taxation, high corporation tax, high income. Yeah. The income, the income well, hasn't. Corporation tax is twenty-one. Is in it like twenty-five percent? Twenty-five. Will be oh, twenty-five in April. Will be twenty-five in April. Oh, okay. Gonna have to take my word for it. Uh, income tax hasn't changed, but the brackets have changed, and obviously we've had inflation with the brackets being the same. Or the brackets has gone down, so like. It's, yeah, people. it's going to be, it's 19% till age. I'm just glad I remember this properly. I studied taxation. That's the only reason why I thought it was interesting. Okay. 
Um, (laughs) You want to talk about specific things you want to do and we can agree or disagree? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Well, so like um, we both want like a system of human flourishing, right? Yeah, that's what I care about. You translate it as better outcomes. I'll translate it as uh, it's like a proper system that uh, considers human nature and, and, you know, and, and individual rights and so on and so forth. And the result of of the system would lead to the maximum amount of human flourishing. Well, so if we if we care about maximum human flourishing, that's yes. like that's we we should just talk about that specific thing because if we start introducing like uh, deontological property rights, we're just not going to be able to. I'm not a deontologist though. I'm a virtue ethicist, if anything. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so can we just like use? Can we just talk about human flourishing? Like that's the only thing we care about, just so we don't get like confused. Sure. Sure. If um. So f- I'm not sure how to enter the convers- uh, how to start it, but let's say, do you, you know what virtuous ethicists are, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh no, we're gonna talk about that now too. <laughs> That's no, no, but one. like, but, but basically, like, they have like a set of virtues, and they try to be virtuous. Or, or you can say they try to be the best version of themselves. Sure. So if we have a society where everyone's trying to be the best version of, of themselves, and we have a, a system of governance that enables them to to do that, like removes the barriers. For them to achieve that, would that be a good society in your opinion? So I, I, I would. But based on what I've said, based on what I've said, no other information. So I, I would just say, like, if if it means like giving them as much freedom as possible, I'd say that that would not be the ideal society because sometimes freedom can be problematic. But generally speaking, giving people more freedom is 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 good. But that can be both positive and negative freedom. So I'm essentially saying negative freedom. And um, not positive freedom from the government, but but there can be like various mechanisms in society where people help each other. Yeah, so I, I think um, there's definitely cases where um, like negative freedom is not utility maximizing. Um, well, can you can you expand? Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, you know a society where you know you can use the famous coconut analogy. You ever use that? You ever heard that one? Coconut Island. Yeah, <laughs> can we can we not use fictional? fictional well, I mean, well, it's, it's super relevant actually. That's actually a really great How, uh, analogy. <laughs> is, you think you're saying it's a realist? Because I I would say that analogies or, or metaphors are supposed to get like the the gist of reality or the summary of reality in the hypothetical and not be like completely devoid of reality. Well, I mean, of course, it's not completely devoid of reality. Um, you know, a lot of it, it uh, property in its current distribution, specifically land, is a monopoly. Um, and so even do, if people were mismanaging it, they can't be outcompeted out of owning the land. Do you um, think land is necessarily important nowadays? It doesn't, it doesn't, it used to be the case that land was super important. I think nowadays, you know, like you, you can get rich more important every can, year. Can you get wealthy from owning land or can you get wealth or would you get wealthy from typically nowadays from other mechanisms? Cause I, I, I think that, um, let me put it in a different way. Yeah. Let's say, I'm not saying that land is completely without value, but I'm saying, I'll say the following. We've had land and manual human labor for most of human existence, let's say 100,000 years, 50,000 years, depending how far back we go. But only in the last 200 years were we we able to generate a high degree of wealth. So I'm not saying that, you know, 
land or, or physical labor are, are completely irrelevant, but it's not obviously not like the the, the secret source yep. that generated the amount of wealth we have now. <laughs> well, they're prerequisites, right? So but you, you but, you, but, but it's not it's not labor. it's not the the core secret source that made us jump like considerably more wealth because we've had it for ages. I mean, yeah, but it's a prerequisite, right? So if somebody controlled all the labor, um, that would be bad, right? So if somebody controlled uh, all the can, land, no one can do anything. Okay, so again, how have, we ha- how have we had all this wealth in the last 200, 250 years? Whereas before, we've had tons of land, lots and lots of land, lots and lots of resources from the land, lots and lots of humans doing physical labor. But only in the last 200, 250 years have we had a huge jump well, in wealth. The deployment, it's the deployment of land, labor, and capital together. So we have more capital, but we require the land and the labor to, to deploy it, right? We, we I, think, don't have I think you're missing I think you're missing something there. We don't just have factories floating in space with nobody interacting with them. Stay stay um, with it, stay with the example. I'm not say, I'm not trying to be obviously we, we still exist on land and we, we still do things physically. But I'm saying this isn't what created the wealth. Like, it's not the secret. Or it's not the it's, secret it's, source. It's, it's a prerequisite. It's a okay. prerequisite. So without the natural resources interacting, okay, so there's how did to we say like, oh, it's just capital? So you're saying we we man- So how did we manage to get so rich in the last 20 years, in your opinion? So we used natural resources and labor, and we allocated it to create specific capital that we deployed on land with labor, and we're doing it today. And so have we not done? Have we not done that before? Oh no, we we formulated more capital than we had before. How did using we formulate land. more capital? Have we not done those things before? Before we've we were done rich. more of it, we've accumulated more capital over time. That's, that's but we've but we've had like a hockey stick uh, improvement. It wasn't over time at all. It wasn't linear. Um, if you look at human growth, uh, economic yeah. growth trends over time, yes. uh, ever since the industrial revolution, it is before the quite... industrial before the industrial revolution. Start from year zero to now, we had the hockey stick from and the industrial revolution in and of itself. We used the steam engine machines that we didn't have that before. I mean, are you are you trying to argue that like the accumulation of capital is is not what's been determining growth? Well, are you familiar with uh, Deirdre Mikulski? No. So, well, I'm, I'll have to educate. I have to like explain the the position, but like the argument is that since the Enlightenment, where we started like coming up with these ideas about you know. Uh, about science, and we started thinking more rationally. Age of reason is the Enlightenment is called the Age of Reason. Since we've had these um, cultural shift into being more thinking more reasonably, then we've had generated more ideas. You know, um, the solo model, right? A for ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, since we've had since we've had that. Then we'll be able to accomplish more wealth. We've we've made the steam engine, we've done division of labor, we've so, done specialization. That's informational capital and physical capital. Yeah, I'm I'm just giving an example of of something you can relate. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so like like you're you're not going to disagree with the idea that knowledge and physical capital have been the big thing uh, that have contributed to growth. Sorry, second, I, I won't disagree with. I mean, I'm I'm happy they're there. Well, I mean, I've always, I've been saying this entire time that, you know, 
we, we accumulated more capital over time. Now, a necessary prerequisite for capital accumulation and capital sustenance is land. But how have um, we generated this capital? How have we generated this wealth? So Through quickly. the interaction of labor and land and some more capital. But have we not had interaction of labor and land before then for all of human existence? Well, it, <laughs> so the, this is if, like it, a really... It, it has like, to be... So look, if, if you're not interested... No, wait, 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 if, if you just... Sorry. Just because the specific interaction of land and labor has created certain capital doesn't mean that every interaction of land and labor ever has created the, always the exact same capital. So I don't sure, know, I don't sure but for, for the vast for the vast history of human existence, like ninety nine point nine percent nine 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 percent of us were dirt poor. And all of a sure. sudden we, we went through some sort of change, some sort of shift, and then we started to create like a lot we started to produce a lot more, we started to create a lot more, we, we started, started to generate to accumulate more, more physical and informational capital. Okay, but how did we get to that? We had there was shifts in the social system, shifts in our thought process that was conducive to fostering the the the, um, the generation and the sustenance of higher levels of capital, which has continued to this day. So isn't isn't that like a a thing that we want to focus in on, and encourage that as much as possible? To encourage the fostering of capital. The whatever made us generate produce more, generate more wealth, more capital. I mean, there are certain conditions that can lead to something. I think we should focus on the thing that we like, which is the capital, and not focus on an ancillary thing, which is related to the causation of that. Yeah, let's see if I can... That'd be fallacious. Sorry, what? What did I say? That's fallacious? I said, I said that would be fallacious for us to focus on the thing, not that we actually care about, but some other thing that's related to it. Right. Well, if 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 we want like to have better outcomes in in society, we want to have a situation where we have like the most productive society that produces the most, right? Produces as much as we need and even more, so we have an abundance of things, right? So people don't go without. So so we can say that we want more capital. Not capital. Stuff, not, capital, capital. Not, cap not, not, not capital money, but like goods. Well, so capital is the means, it's a factor of production. Oh, okay, right? but I'm just saying we, i just saying, because capital could be money, it, could, it could be money, it could be a machine. I'm just saying we want to have a situation in society where we produce more stuff in general. We produce the more, way you do more that stuff. Is with more capital. Just more capital? That's it? Oh, we can well, print, can, then we can just print more capital. We can print money no, till no, the cows no, come no, home. Oh, oh I, I see what your problem is. You're not, you don't understand what definition of capital I'm using. Cap but what country are you from? You're, UK. you're in the UK, right? Well, I just I just wanted to to focus in like, well, okay. So before so we before before we I got it I got it before we go in. But ultimately, you would agree with me that we want to produce more stuff, right? We want to produce as much stuff as we can, so people won't go without in society, and we have an abundance of things. So I would say, generally speaking, we want to produce more stuff. There yeah. are certain instances where producing more stuff would not make people better off, right? So if people only want to work forty hours a week. We shouldn't force them to work 60, right? Um, there's certain things, like we don't want to overfish um, the, the oceans because then we're going to lose. Sure, let, you know. let's, let's say just this, we want to produce more of the things we want, that people want, that individuals want. Producing more is generally good. Sure. Okay, great. That's, that's, okay, so go ahead and explain the capital good that you wanted to talk about. 
Yeah, so I, I was just going to say that I don't think negative freedom is always the same as utility. I mean, like, yeah, uh, it, there, there's going to be probably some differences between those two. Like any big measure is probably going to have some differences. But I, I think the, the utility maximizing uh, society is one in which, um, you know, the regulatory role of the government is, is stripped back a lot. Uh, we change the decision-making apparatus of the government um, to restructure the institutions so actually to ameliorate many of the concerns that libertarians have. Um, and its primary function uh, will be correcting certain market failures. Um, and Can you describe what a market failure is? Yeah, so uh, generally speaking, there, there's markets that are inadequately competitive, there's public goods, um, and there's externalities. Externalities are the most endemic feature. Uh, emissions is a great example. Um, and so we want, we want to price externalities, like impose a tax on uh, externalities. I, I actually, this, this could be a longer conversation, but I don't entirely agree with the concept, just the concept of market failure. Because obviously it's from a utilitarian point of view. Are you like an Austrian? Uh, I, maybe I am. I'm economic constitution. I, I mean, uh, the, the, the big thing that... Um, <laughs> I'm not a utilitarian, do. sorry, if that, if that helps. No, I know, but the big thing Austrians do is they do a semantics game where they just define away the possibility of market failure. Um, if you want to like... I, to some degree, I think Austrians are also utilitarians. Most are not. Most are, I, I think you are not. Praxeology is like a super central... Um, deal with us that's 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 one of the reasons why uh most so consequentialists I, just become neolibs sure um i i think i think the thing with market failure is obviously you have to look at it you're looking from failing to what and then you think failing to help society and uh, well, who who decides that well you know these graphs say that these graphs are not optimal and the kind of the thing that i have a problem with um with economics today like mainstream economics and you can maybe laugh at me if if you wish, but it seems to me like that it's a uh, it, it packages morality in it and gives a, like a prescription to to politicians to pick up a policy. So I think I've mentioned this in in the subject. I think it basically it gathers data, it strips value from the data to say I I liked the I bought this because I liked it. You just read and well he bought that. Uh, you don't know if he liked it or not. You strip all the value from it. You, you aggregate it because you 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 care about society. You don't care about you know individuals or peaks and troughs in it. You just care about the aggregate, and then you at attach a particular consequentialist moral take on it. Meaning, as a researcher, you have a lot of data and you can go find that data in any way you want. But but if if you were to take a research project, it would be like it would have a moral slant on it. Meaning. If I want to uh, research inequality, because I think inequality is bad, then I would take this objective and then look at the data. Because before, it's just data floating around. There's lots of it. I don't know what to do with it. But now I want to improve society, and, and inequality is bad. It's morally bad. And then I go look at the data and say, oh, society is unequal. I analyze the data some more, give a bunch of policy decisions, then pass it on to politicians to necessarily pick up. And it seems um, to me like it seems to me like that the researchers are the polit like very close to making policy. Obviously, the, they would say, "Course not. Okay, no one wait, listens to can us." Can I yeah. respond? Sure, yeah. Can I respond. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, I think a lot of economics is just descriptive. You know, people say they, they observe things that we usually care about as a society, like what is the impact on growth? What is the impact on surplus? Uh, they, they don't strip out uh, consumer and supplier information. Actually, so many, the, the whole entire conception of deadweight loss is based on people's personal utility that they derived. They seem to derive in monetary terms through their own valuation of transactions. So it's like the least, the least centralized um, application of the idea of utility ever. Um, but we just do descriptive analysis. Some people say, okay, this increases inequality, this decreases inequality. It's your choice uh, whether you want to care about that. Now, there's some left-wing researchers and there's some right-wing researchers that are biased. Sure. I mean, but I don't think that it calls into question the fact that, uh, you know, like all economic research, I think plenty of economic research is not biased and just saying, okay, this is what happens, right? And I don't see how this interacts with the idea of like rejecting the existence of externality. Um, so you, the, like, so the idea of 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 failure, market failure, that it doesn't benefit society as much as it could. So you have like a graph, you have two two lines going through the graph. So it would be optimal if it was the line was a bit more to the left, based on so you it, know, it Pareto, would be, it'd be Pareto efficiency. In, it'd be optimal in terms of people's monetary values for transactions, right? So one monetary transaction is having an external party that is affected by it which is unable to actually articulate its uh, interests because of the market failure, because it's just tons of actors, right? So pollution affects everybody on the planet. Not everybody on the planet can come together and launch a lawsuit against every single person who pollutes. So let's, let's take pollution. I, um, so in my, in my system of uh, individual rights, or strong individual rights, like pollution would not be an issue at all, but I'll separate it into two. Like you have pollution, like, you know, smog in your local area, and then you have emitting CO2, which is, it's not categorized as pollution. So let's say polluting, um, you know, you, you dump waste in your neighbor's garden, in your neighbor's backyard. That is so how I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about acute instances. So I guess, I'm, I'm, we, but we, I'm just, we, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving the example. So if you dump waste in your neighbor's backyard, like the libertarians have like a well thought out legal system for that no, already. Nobody thinks that's externality. Nobody thinks that's externality. So, so you, you're specifically talking about CO2 emissions? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's um, there's certainly uh, cases of pollution which are uh, more acute. Um, Pollu- you know, CO2, like I have to say, CO- emitting CO2 isn't classified as pollution. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, so, so you could have like a coal plant uh, that that emits yeah, yeah. pollutants. That right. so like a coal plant, like you know, emits smog. The, the the people in the town nearby are all affected by it. How do we resolve the problem? Yeah. Uh, no, it's no? very unlikely. You can assume that everybody's going to come together and have the lawsuit. The, the likelihood is that only a small percentage of people are going to care enough to do it, which means they're not going to, to gather enough clout and sue for enough damages for hold, hold everybody. On, hold, hold on. I'm just, I'm just saying that in these situations that I just described, there's quite a lot of legal theory already there how to solve that particular problem quite a bit. There is um, a capacity. So yeah. there, there's... there's uh, well, I mean, sorry. Let me let me let, let me take let me explain what I'm what I'm saying. I don't think I was clear. So there there are ways of solving this particular issues of pollution, like emitting smog to the town nearby, um, and we could resolve it in the courts. We don't need to be we don't need for it to describe as a market failure, because it could be handled in a different way through the legal system. It's questionable, uh, I, especially whenever I, it's, when I don't think so. Are, uh, especially when impacts are small and very dispersed. So we can take carbon emissions. Um, okay. What's your solution to carbon emissions? 
So my solution to it? Yeah, yeah. So how, how do how the do final solution? The eliminate all of it from the planet. Suck out uh, all the no. CO2 from the planet. What? No, no. So there's this. We'd assume that there's a uh, social cost. So we'd impose. What is the social cost? Externality taxes. Um, but but you could say, okay, I don't believe in externality taxes. I think they're bad because the government doesn't actually know the real social value, or the government sucks. So how do you solve that problem, right? Because there is a social cost of carbon emissions, right? I'm not sure there is. Oof. What is the social cost? Well, I need you to articulate it. Uh, you, you need me to explain to you, like, uh, climate science? Um, no, I'm familiar with climate science. I'm aware that the planet is warming. But okay, I so think... The, the, I, this is harmful impacts on people? Such as, like what? As a rising sea levels uh, are definitely going to harm a lot of people's property. We've, we've, uh, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Let's, let's do one by one. Rising so, sea levels uh, we've had in the last 142 years, we've had eight inches of increasing sea levels. Wonderful. Okay. Is that a problem? Um, I think carbon emissions accelerating and increasing sea level rise will definitely be a problem for a lot of people. So far, so far it hasn't really done anything. Of course it has. Of course it has. Of course it has uh, what? Been, there's, there's been tons of efforts uh, to increase pumping New York City, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands, in, um, have Netherlands were always below, below water for the, like hundreds of years. It's going to worse and worse. Sorry, it gets worse and worse. So they have a system. They have a system of dikes to alleviate that. Like you, you can have the same that someone else. Sorry, they they have to invest more in that system as sea levels rise, right? So New York City has to invest more in the system as sea levels rise. That's a social cost. But as far as far as I'm aware, the the data shows that it hasn't risen very much at all. So it's it's you said eight inches. So are you gonna are you gonna start? You want to actually talk about? Um, how much uh, carbon emissions are going to affect um, sea level rises? I would say this. I, I would. This? I would say I'm very familiar with the IPCC data. I'm very familiar with a lot of this particular material. I'm also very familiar with with energy production and various forms of energy mixes. Um, I would say this that on the whole, um, let's see if I can articulate it correct neatly, that capitalism or, or like the, the market system that we have protects us from the environment very efficiently and allows us to live a better quality of life than before, even considering warming. I mean, I don't dispute that we're living better than we were before. Uh, we're talking about whether you reject the notion of the possibility of externality, um, which is very silly uh, question, I mind you. Um, now, so right now you're doing, you're you're uh, basically doing like climate denialism. <laughs> as no, I I, I already emissions. I already agree that uh, the planet's warming. So so but the planet's warming and that causes harms to some people. I think I think that the planet is warming, but I think that a lot of the data has been catastrophized beyond the the Does sensible science. People, such as what. It does it? I'm just asking. I mean, it's it. It does could be. Does global warming it, cause harm? I mean, p- potentially somewhere across the planet, you could have a situation where um, it could get hotter. It, that could be a positive, or that could be a negative. Like it could be in a colder area. Yes. Don't be ridiculous. You can say yes that it harms people. Okay. Don't say you're not a climate. I said, pot- say, I said oh, potentially. I, I said potentially that. somewhere across the planet, it may harm someone. Okay, you're being ridiculous. You're being absolutely ridiculous. Why? Come on, dude. Come on, come what? On. What? Okay, you're you're saying, oh, it's really exaggerated. I'm not a climate denier, uh, but actually, I'm not going to say yes, yes, it's going to cause some people harm. This is an extremely easy 
So let's let's let's, let's it's a home run. Let's say like this: over over time, climate-related deaths and climate-related damages has gone down. Don't don't cite an unrelated statistic, okay? Why you know, unrelated? Global warming cause some people harm. We can adapt. Those people who it may cost, those people who it may cost, let me let this is basically the crux, yeah. Those people who it who it may cost harm, we can use machines and the market system to adapt it's, to those it's changes. Entirely Better. It's entirely irrelevant. Why is it you, entirely you need, relevant? You, you need to be good. You need to be good faith. Okay. I am being good faith. Yes. No, you can say yes, but there's ways we can fix it. You just have to say yes. I said potentially. Like, no, potentially, you're going to say it's going to cause nobody harm. We can't be certain, man. No one can be certain of anything. It's all intuitive. Okay, you're not being good fit. I'm sorry. But this is I said time. potentially. Potentially is a good, no, that's, is a good that's, thing. That's absolutely asinine. And we both know it's absolutely asinine. You're going to hey, say man, that I, nobody on I, Earth is going to by global warming. This is a ridiculous position. And you bo- we both know it is. So okay, so, 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 so are we... So when you say externalities, it's on a global scale, yeah? Market failures is on a global scale. Markets can fail on a smaller scale, and it can fail on a global scale. The the most the worst ones are on a global scale. Okay, I, do uh, we have a global government? Of course we don't, uh, but it's irrelevant. So so, so why is this acknowledge, why, why is this relevant? Wait wait a second wait a second. You can acknowledge the concept of externality, and then say every attempt the government makes to address it is bad. You can make that argument, and you could say it's better just to not even address it. This is a totally reasonable position that you could take. To deny that any externalities exist or to deny that global warming is going to harm some people, those are, those are probably absurd uh, positions and I can't respect them because I know you're reasonable enough as a person to realize how asinine they are. So I, I would say that the climate is warming. Humans, are, it's having a mild effect on people on the planet. Some people could potentially be harmed by this, but we can really adapt. We can, hold on. We can adapt to those harms. So, okay, so so we can deal with the descriptive ta- fact. How much will they be harmed? They will be harmed. Some people will be harmed. Of course, with any change, some people will be harmed. Now, I tend to agree with like 99% of climate science. Okay, that, wait, that wait, wait. It will wait, be a let big me, deal. Let me, let, me, disagree. let me let me rephrase. So you, you're saying there's a negative externality, yeah? So I, I, if you acknowledge that some people will be oh, harmed, hold on, hold there on. is a negative externality. Right. So you're saying there's a negative externality from, let's say, burning fuel in, in, a, in a car. Yes. Sure? Okay. So other positive externalities from burning fuel in a car as well that we need to factor in? No. No. Why not? I don't see any demonstration. Why aren't you looking at the complete picture? I, I think that's uh I don't I don't see the positive externality. Case. Okay, let me give you an example. Let's say you are married. I'm not sure if you are. Let's say your wife is very ill, and you really desperately need to drive her to the hospital. There is fuel in your car right now. What is the value of that fuel in that particular instance? Uh, let, let's say, for argument's sake, it's very very high. Could be tens of thousands of dollars, right? So if you having you having access to to energy that brings your wife in that particular instance where you desperately need it, you would pay a lot of money for that. That's a positive externality that you don't pay for, that's, that's but it's not, not accounted. That's the positive that's externality, externality that you're not accounting for because people use that's the not, fuel, right? That is that's uh, not what externalities mean. Our, our people, <laughs> the value of the fuel at that point in time is worth thousands times more than you've actually paid for it. Correct? 
So the, the, that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it doesn't consumer matter. and producer surplus are irrelevant to externality, and you should know that. You're saying that some there's a negative externality. There's also positive externalities that you're not considering. That's not a positive. What you just said. I, I think it is. I think it is. You think it is? Okay. Like by no definition is it? <laughs> okay. So you're saying experience. you're saying we burn we burn fuel, that causes that could potentially cause harm because we're burning it. it does cause it does, harm. But it also has a positive externality on society. Okay. That's why the government subsidizes it, right? Because it no, realizes the that there are more positive than there are negative. Sorry? The government shouldn't subsidize it. But it does, right? The current price level of, of oil and the current price level of fossil fuels puts the total output at a suboptimal level for society. So okay, hold, saying that sometimes... Hold on. Let, let, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second wait go second. ahead. Sometimes fossil fuel consumption helps people, right? There's a certain amount of money, right? So, like, we're not going to say that, you know, there's no use ever, but there's a certain social cost that it, that it produces on net. We want to price that, right? So you, you, if as long as you're not, you know, absolutely, like, absurd, you're going to admit that it's going to harm some people, some market interactions, harm some other third parties sometimes. And so externalities exist. That's a thing, right? Well, I, I don't think the government, even if it is a thing that... It helps someone in some other part of the of the globe. I don't see how a national government can price that in. Okay. See, this is a different. But in addition, but in addition, but in addition to that, in addition to that, I think that the government already prices in the positive externality of of fuel and energy, and that's why it subsidizes it. This is a ridiculous position. Well, let me let me explain my let me let me explain. Fuel is not that your wife is You really value it a lot. Let me explain my point. Right. Let okay. Let's take another example. Yeah. Let's say there's a, a steel making factory, and it goes to the government as I want to dump waste in the river. In the river, says it. It costs me a lot of money. I want to dump waste in the river, and the government says, or the EPA says, does the utilitarian calculation says the steel that this company produces is worth a lot to society. So I'm gonna say. On balance, like I don't mind it polluting to an X amount. You're, you're, you're not you're not understanding what externality means. Hold on, I'm going to allow a it. Certain social costs of externality. I, under, I, I understand because you're only focusing on the negative side, just not the positive no, no, side. No, no, so I'm, I'm not. Saying, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying he, I'm, Let me just finish the example. Sure. Let me just finish the I, example. I understand this. I understand the example. Okay. So. Okay. The, these are positive okay. for society, right? No, no, this is not positive externalities. So there's a certain amount of production from steel, and there's certain consumer uh, producer surplus that's created there. But there's a social cost that they're imposing, and so it, we have to price the social cost. Once we price the social cost, how do you price the social cost? Produced. How do you price the social cost? So how do you calculate in the it? Case of, in the, okay, so in the case of um, you know some like iron or some you know um, extract being uh, pushed into the river, right? Yep. Um, there is a social cost. It exists. Calculated. Now, the government's ability to ascertain it, okay, this is a different question, but I'm just trying to get you to understand that there is a social cost, right? So if that social cost didn't exist, then the optimal amount would be being produced. But since there's a social cost, part of the bill is being paid by external parties, which are not benefiting from these transactions. They're not, they're not necessarily buying the steel or selling the steel. They're just third parties that are having to deal with the river being messed up. Right, but you can't calculate that. Or you don't know it so, in advance to authorize it. So, so you can acknowledge that externalities exist. 
You can acknowledge it. So this is just, say, so this okay, just, a, just, a, th- this is just a, a theoretical thing. I need to imagine that some people will get help from this. And, so and acknowledge I, I can, and acknowledge it. I can give you an econ 101 textbook so you can understand how extra. No, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I'm just not. Again, I'm not a utilitarian, and this is in the context of utilitarians. This is this isn't in the context of utilitarianism at all. Um, you could be 100% deontological. You can use market ethics. Doesn't matter. Extra. Okay. Well you, so, but you you you're, you agreed with me that we can't calculate it. Efficiently, or maybe at all. No, no I certain, said certainly is... if it's a certainly if it's on a global scale, we can calculate, and we can. Should should we but... calculate on a global scale? You'd have to factor in other people who emit CO two. Now, in addition to fossil fuels, well, one, one thing at a time. One thing. At in, a time. in addition to fossil fuels, um, you know, we emit CO two just by breathing. There's a, a wide variety of things that emit CO two. There are na- natural things in the environment that emit CO two. So it's just. It just seems like a bit wishy-washy to not. not factor the whole picture. It, it, it's um, so. I mean, obviously, we're not going to just start killing humans. Um, we're not going to price. I, I'm, human I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's what but I just said. Hear me, just, just hear me out. Hear me out. Um, sure. So externalities exist. We acknowledge externalities exist. It's really important to parse the difference between positions that are reasonable enough for me to respect and positions that I agree with. Right. So I can. I can. I can respect the position that the government can't price this stuff i cannot respect the position that externalities don't exist because it's a very it's like earth's flat you know um and you're a climate denier uh so that's that's a, that's a how am i a position. climate denier you're just, oh uh, well it actually helps some people it hurts some people some people may be hurt by it but, but there are there are parts of the planet that are very cold wow amazing and, and, and so cold kills on balance you're gonna argue on balance hold on there's, no, there's hold on on cold kills nine times more people than heat Amazing, amazing. What 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 book are you citing? Like, uh, where did Lancet you get study? Which one? A Lancet study. A Lancet study. Yeah, the Lancet the the journal. No, no, I'm saying like, where did you get like this um, ideological fixture? Um, not that not, I understand the cold fact. I've heard that many times before. Okay, so uh, how I'm do sure. you, so on on balance, like we don't even know if less people will die, right? Um, because technically, we, technically, when uh, heat distributes yeah, around yeah. the planet, it heats up the coldest areas first. No, no we, we definitely know it's going to be much worse. Um, so how do we know um, it's going to be much worse? Well, hold on, hold on. How do we know it's going to be much worse? Based on based on models. I'm about to explain to you. Now, if you want to debate somebody, I really, I invite you. I would nothing would make me happier in the world to like debate my uh, climate science teacher or any climate scientist. It's going to be an absolute disaster for you and pretty much anybody in your position. Okay, I'll I'll find my I'll find my guy and he can debate oh, your climate oh, science please, teacher. Please, 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 they get blown out all the time. Are <laughs> but, you sure? But anyway, um, so we, we could talk about sure? social costs. So you, you you could say, okay, I'm doubtful of all the studies that say you know tons of people are going to die from droughts in India because some people were wrong in the past. You're not even going to critique their methodology. You're just going to say, well, some people were wrong in the past. I'm fam- I'm familiar with the methodology. I, I'm I'm very conscious of it. I know how they calculate. Um, yeah, so we're going to have, uh, you know, worsening hurricanes. This is something you've already actually observed. Um, you're going to have, um, you know, specific droughts in parts of India. Do, do we have global uh, warming already? And it's going to get worse. Do we have we global were, warming already? And it, it, we've observed that natural disasters have gotten worse. I, yeah. so I, I, okay, but let's, let's put it this way, right? I live in Houston. The frequency of hurricanes has increased over time. The severity of floods have, has increased over time. Right, so like just as a measure, you can't be like, oh well, nothing's been happening. Every, a lot of things have been happening. Would right, you agree? Right. Would you agree though that we've 
the deaths from those hurricanes and those uh, I don't know about earthquakes, but I don't know if that's necessary to do with climate change. But uh, would you say that deaths and damages from those things have gone down over time? Deaths and damages? No. Deaths and deaths from climate-related uh, disasters and damages, like cost, like money-wise, have gone down. I over definitely, time. Would, I would definitely not say costs for sure. But no. death has Obviously, gone down. Um, deaths, deaths. That is a confounding variable, right? Why is that? Because we're more we're better able to uh, respond, right? So it's totally possible that the severity okay. of weather crises has been worse, which is something we can measure directly, but mm-hmm. more people could survive because like we're more technologically advanced, right? How, how do, have, like, but... Better method. Okay, we, we are more technologically advanced. We have adapted better to the environment, but do we need energy to do that? <laughs> so this is this like the fossil future argument? Yeah, it is the fossil future argument. <laughs> Oh my! Is this where it's all from? Oh my god! I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> oh, well, don't do it this, right this, now. This Consider your life is, this choices. Book, this book has been dunked on so many times. It has not been I dunked on so many times. No, it has not. In fact, it, in it, fact, the in fact, I would say that the only thing, and this is what we observed recently, the only thing that people have done is called the the writer of white supremacist. Nothing has been dunked on it. Talking about, I read a criticism on this just the other day. Okay. Doesn't mean, it, doesn't mean it's valid. There are several people in but, this. But you, just, you just said something that was clearly false. You said, oh, they just call them white supremacists. That didn't even happen. Yes, it did. They didn't do it. No, this didn't even happen. Like, you're just saying all they do is that it's not true. All the, as, far as, as far as I know, like well, you in, do, you don't it, know. It, has, it has happened recently that instead of engaging, no one, no one like goes up to the guy who wrote Fossil Future and said, here's an argument you can debug. He's been in several debates. No one's outright beat him in, in anything. And his arguments are good are sound they're so bad they're so garbage. give me one give me one example they're, they're go, so go get your go get your, your go get your go get your dunk and and try it yeah so, i mean the, the fundamental argument you're making right now which is like oh well you know fossil fuels allow us to react to climate change and natural disasters so much better okay. um, and it just assumes some like intricate uh, um inherency uh, to the necessity for us to use fossil fuels to respond to fossil fuel related climate well, disasters it's would not you necessary agree? Would you agree that there's a large number of people on this planet that don't have access to energy and they do need to get that access? Poor people, specifically. I, I, I do agree that, that poor people should have energy. And I would prefer us to expand renewable sources in the places where we can because our current use of fossil fuels, the current level of use, is not ideal. Because when so, so, these people, so these people that need access to energy, that currently have between zero or, or intermittent access to energy, we're looking essentially at coal for them first before they can move on to other sources of energy. And it has not been the case that wind and solar has helped at all. Here in the UK, we have more wind, uh, wind turbines. We've actually made energy, our energy mix is more expensive, five times more expensive than it was two years ago as a result of okay, this is, green this energy is, policies. Okay, wait a second, wait a second. No, Sure. first of all. No? Okay. Energy costs are going up because of global oil uh, prices. Huge shifts that have happened. This has happened since years. this has happened since October of twenty one. So if you're if you're if you're going to make the argument that you're going to blame it exclusively on the use of uh, you know solar and wind, that's the reason why it's gone up five times. Hold on, let me let me make a full statement. Then the current green energy prescription for the UK and other European country energy mix is specifically. More wind and solar, and less and topping coal, and being more dependent on natural gas. 
Okay, so is your position that the reason why energy prices has gone up is because inherently because of solar and wind use? And stopping coal. And stopping coal. Okay, let's see. Energy. I can give you a... Per unit. I can give you a sub tech post with with stuff I've done on it, if you'd like. I'll just have to find it. Okay, let's see. Oh, I I could say I could say in another way if you'd like me to make it easier on you. Name me one place that has a large amount of wind and solar where prices are low. Uh, there's so many confounding variables. That is a bad question. Okay, because I'm aware that in in addition of in addition to just installing the solar panels, the wind them, there's a large amount of infrastructure that comes with it. To, because it's it's not base load energy, it's intermittent energy. Fossil fuel infrastructure is super massive. Um, so if you want to talk about like the most efficient, uh, cost effective way to generate energy, kind of weird to to be a fossil fuel fan. To some to Capital some degree, intensity. to some degree, fossil fossil fuel you'd have to admit though is cheap, reliable, scalable, and versatile. Coal is coal is really not that great. Well, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying coal is my first option, but right now we have. Bear in mind when when the price of energy is five times more, people don't uh, people who can't afford it, like people on fixed incomes, like elderly people or or poor people, they they don't turn on their heating, and we had like minus four this winter. So you know it can these green, green energy policies can kill people, they can result in the death of people. That's a that's a really amazing point that he makes in the book, uh, which is go ahead. It's another what aboutism. <laughs> it's like it's it's so many what aboutisms. Like it's like oh yeah, like green energy. Dude, like just say, dude, solar. just just say one thing. Don't it, just it, don't smear. Install, just say one thing. Installing solar panels. Yeah. I'm engaging exactly with what it says. I, right. I don't I don't respect the book. It's it's a guy who said that he he changed his mind in 2007, even though he's been writing pro fossil fuel. Um, blogs since two thousand four. So he's not, he's not an honest individual. He's not minus, an honest individual. He is he is an honest individual. Minus the smearing. Well, he, give why me did he lie? Sorry. Why did he lie? Why did why he, he lie about two thousand seven? He was a green energy fan, and he was led astray, and then he changed his mind in two thousand seven. So okay, okay. I I don't. I'm not going to respond either way. Can you give me a point that he has said that isn't true? I don't care there, about uh, the smearing uh, or the <laughs> white supremacy he's not an thing. Honest person. No, I don't think he's that's not true. An honest person. Look, so he lied. Right? So, so this is what we're discussing, right? I don't think he did. This is what we're discussing right now. That oh, he wait, lied, wait, but not wait, any wait, of the actual wait, point. Great, okay. Wait, so, so, no, no, no. Like, okay, he's not an honest person, so I don't need to respect him because he's somebody's documented very frequently about. Lying. I don't. I don't. I. Whew. Okay, show me very frequently lying. Then is that yeah, is that so, what I mean, we're, I, are we discussing? He's, he's are we discussing his character, or are we discussing the point? So just which would you like us to do? So you you won't you won't concede the point. Just concede the point. Okay. I lied. don't concede the no, point. I don't see the point. Okay, at all. well then, then let's I'm, go I'll back to. Okay, fine. This is the point. Let's go back to 2007. Tell me what he lied about. So, so he said that he changed his mind in like 2007. Okay. He used to be a fan of green energy, and then he realized that fossil fuels actually weren't that bad. Okay. It's not true. He's Why is it not true? Even in 2004, Why is it not true? Why is it not true? Because in 2004, he was making many of the same arguments he's making today about supporting fossil fuels. Like what? His position did not change in 2007. What? 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 Uh, what? In what way did he support fossil fuels in 2004? Here, I'll send you the blog. Okay, that's outstanding.
Here, I'll send you mine. Deal with some facts. Again, I would have preferred talking about the fact, but whatever. Well, I mean, if you won't concede the point, then... I don't think he has, but show. go ahead. You can read the post on Ayn Rand's com and you can read his old articles on fossil about fuels going what back is, a what, long time. What are the old articles about? I, I don't know why why you're being so uh, dubious of this. Okay, let's see. Hold on. I'm gonna read you want me to read them to you? No, thank you. I can read them. <laughs> okay. What is this? Okay. Okay. Politicians and comments. Which one should I click on? Trying our addiction to oil. They extort us. Uh, embrace costly programs to reduce our consumption of oil as quickly Sorry, as possible. Sorry, what's the title? What's the title of you want me to click on? Keeping our addiction to oil. That's one of them. Uh, Hold on, let me let me search for that. Okay, this is the one. Yeah, two thousand six. That's one. Okay, which which other one would you like me to read? I can send you all of them. I've got the links here. Just which one? Okay, America is not addicted to oil. Okay. Okay, 2006. So where's the 2004 one I should be looking at? I'll find it. Okay. Environmentalism's dangerous campaign for safety. 2004. He's been he's been advocating the same ideas this entire time. He he lied to make make it seem <laughs> like he changed his mind because it's a good story. Not true. Um People do that, uh, but it's it's not being honest. Uh, you're gonna read I don't, those. And I, don't, I don't. I don't. Or? I don't have that on the Wayback Machine. Sorry. I don't, you ha don't I have. Don't have it. I doesn't uh, like the the safety one. You just said I don't. Dragon? No. Not in the Wayback Machine. You can't see it. I cannot see it. Can you at least read the uh, title for me? Hmm, the Wayback Machine has not archived that URL. No, no, the title. Title, the title? Environmentalism's dangerous campaign for safety, in, in quotations. Is this, um, is this somebody who seems like they've, they have completely different positions before 2007? You can With fossil fuels specifically, you mean? You can concede some points. If you're not going to concede any points... I think I... I could, I'm not... Look, I, you've just given it to me. I would say that to some degree... So this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about recently. That um, environmentalism as a whole allows government to intervene in, in, in the markets. You say, well, we need to... The, the, there are obviously these externalities. There are obviously these failures. And the... the hurting this planet, like the hurting the planet, we're not sure, but we are, we have all these models that say it will be catastrophic. 
And then in addition, you have this concept in, I believe it's in consequentialism, where you have to factor in the rights of people that don't exist yet in the future based on, on this uh, environmentalism thing. And as a platform, it allows the government to intervene heavily in the, the markets. And uh, in the case of Europe, for example, they take to control of many um, energy companies, not exactly, not exactly energy companies, but the much more involved and the energy companies are just like just service the consumers, but the actual bringing in energy into the country is something the government doesn't pay for. And the government is the one setting up turbines, let's say in the UK and certainly in, in, in uh, Germany and stuff like that. So just saying just this platform is very anti, anti-market. So just on that, that could be something you can write about even in 2004. I, I don't know what's written in it, but so, philosophic, uh, philosophically it's, speaking, it's, it's a position where you are pro the environment. You, you are anti um, so you impacting nature. You're, you're anti impacting nature, but it's like an anti human okay, okay. stance. You, you, you said a lot. You said a lot. Um, okay. His positions haven't changed. They haven't. Now you can concede it. You can say, okay, I don't care. It's fine. Um, can't concede. Is that my, are, are those my only options? Huh? Are those my only um, options? Well, you could be dishonest and say, "Well, actually, I don't think." It, I but think you haven't given have... you haven't given me what what have I be, if I were to say that I don't see anything here, what would I be dishonest about? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I think if we had this, if we, this was we're, we're right just now, reading we're just reading the titles of the blog right now, right? And we're saying so, he's being dishonest. So uh, you could read the other blogs um, that, that you can access um, that you, you can continue to deny it. Um, if there was other people in, watching this right now, I'm pretty sure everybody would just say, "Okay, he's just not denying it because he's being stubborn and he doesn't want to admit." Well, that I am, I am, I am stubborn. This is true. I am very disagreeable. I agree completely. Yeah, this is 2006. I'll tell you what. I I only have one out of the three you gave, which is the keeping our addiction to oil. I'll read. I'll, I will read that in the 2006 July. Uh, I'll read that. But can we? Would you like to? debunk any of his points or is it just not there's no point anymore so i just want you to concede first um so i, I don't have anything to concede i have to read the blog okay read it i'm not going to do it right now so i i yeah i i, I fundamentally do not believe that you are at it can we can we you you're you're putting a lot of pressure on me right now i don't appreciate so, that well, i just can I we can we it, can we just honestly just have an honest conversation where we did talk about an actual scientific so point I, I that you like i can't do it because we've been talking for a long time now i don't even, sure. even know how long but you're um, saying i'm being dishonest I, so there's no point no so like i just don't think yeah we've been talking for two hours okay and you haven't conceded a single point even whenever like you clearly did not understand the actual mechanics that you were engaging with and it's okay to not understand look know, i i, I admit i admitted already that the physics one is a bit more difficult for me so, if you, you if, you, re- if you recall if you recall i admitted already that it's not my strongest point. I understand it. Maybe I can't explain it or I explain it like intuitively, but not, uh, but I can't really explain it. But this well, is something, see- this is, but energy policies is something I've actually studied quite a bit in the last year. I can't speak to it if you'd like to ask. So, so but if, if you, if you're the type of person, right? So well, the reason why we're having this discussion is because, do you think agree. I'm dishonest? Sorry. Is that, is that you don't want to continue because you think I'm dishonest? Is that no, no, the position? I, I, don't, I think you're so incredibly stubborn that it doesn't matter what I say. There's no capacity for me to actually influence your opinion because um, you're just going to reject whatever I say. Um, that's what would I've you, seen. Would you, like to be influenced, would you like to be influenced by my opinion? I'm, I'm totally open to ha- hearing new arguments. The problem okay. is 
even whenever I show you something where it is super obvious that you had like a definitional issue, or in this case, you're, you made a factual error, you won't concede, so it's a waste of time. I made uh, a factual error on what? Unless you just listen to a lecture or read your blogs or something, because there's no point of actually talking or saying anything. Okay. In a consequentialist point of view, are you concerned that the price of energy is hurting people in Europe and UK? I would like the price of energy to be lower. Um, I don't think carbon pricing uh, is, I think, with the exception of carbon pricing, I think we should price externalities. Uh, but okay, other things we should do. But if we, if we price externalities, if, if, for example, we stop uh, subsidizing, I don't think it's a heavy subsidizer, but we stop, we, we add a tax, let's say, to petrol. Let's say that we, we have in the UK, they want to add uh, 12 people per litre. Uh, which is significant for the for the working poor here. Um, do you think that's a positive thing, or will that hurt people inside? Is it a form of is it something that could increase uh, inflation to some degree because you know energy costs for transportation and whatnot? Uh, that's uh, not that wouldn't be inflation because that taxes aren't included in inflation. Um, but uh, I, is, I don't is that, think is that something that is is a Positive outcome for society, would you say? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't really think a gas tax is the right move um, to, to okay, do uh, externality pricing. Let's let's let's, say, let's look at the, let's look at it like like this. Let's say let's say Germany, right? Let's say Germany goes all in on renewables, and it does it for everyone outside of Germany. So Germany is actively taking the position that this harms the planet very much, and that the right. German people need to sacrifice for the rest of the of planet. And they would let. I think this is what they've already done. They will raise taxes on energy considerably and use that uh, money to invest in renewable, in not renewables, in wind and solar specifically. So, would you think that's beneficial for their society? For their society. For their society. For their probably not for their society. Should uh, voters should voters vote in politicians who enact these rules? Um. So if we're talking about morality, which is impartial, doesn't care about countries, the, mo the more moral thing to do is to show concern for all humans in life. Okay. Is it the case that China, that now, they're building they're a lot of energy the reactors. World. They're building a lot of energy reactors, but China and, and India, for example, are... The leading emitters, I know, they're, they're, they emit more than anybody they're, else. They're, they're, know, they're, they're increasing it. They're increasing it. it. No, no, I, forget, forget that. I'm just asking on morality right now. China is going to increase the number of coal plants it has. It, it will have more coal plants than any other place in the world. India, I think, has abandoned natural gas because it's too expensive right now. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll make the case that Sri Lanka, the, the price of fossil fuels contributed significantly to its collapse a year ago. Okay. Uh, so that's bad. That's bad. The, the fact that they're not doing the good policy is bad. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, coal is the way to go. And even, even Alex would say that Alex particularly likes nuclear. I, even, I like nuclear as well. I'm not saying like we're championing coal, for example, but if it's, if it's like, let's say in the UK, if it's the, a matter of people freezing and using coal, then I would choose to use coal temporarily. Okay, that's, that's really not the... Uh... That, the that's the position right it really is the case right now i swear to you this is this is honestly the the thing that the uk and germany for example we've opened a few power uh, the uk is one okay, germany's but, done but five this is obviously not a 
position I hold, so I don't even know why you're bringing it up. Like well, I'm just saying, if it, would you disagree with this position that if it's a, if it's a difference between people freezing and opening a coal plant, you would agree that opening a coal plant, even temporarily, is a good idea? Uh, yeah, I mean to, pre to prevent people from freezing. Yeah, correct. That's that's all yeah. I need. That's all I need. To me, that's completely reasonable and rational, and and not. Uh, Catastrophizing situation. That's that's I'm fine see, with see, that. See, this this is what we talk. This is how it feels when somebody concedes a point. Well, I mean, I, I do this. I, it's, you, you're not you're not. Uh, it's not conceding to say. You're just you know rational about it, which is fine. So, so conceding a point is where somebody makes a point and then you you decide. Okay, I agree with that. That's reasonable. Um, sure. You want to try? And so, but maybe maybe not things I'm very familiar with. I, Try something I'm yeah, not so familiar with. You won't even concede the point that this guy obviously contradicted himself. So you can understand. I'll, I'll read it. I agree to. I agree to read it. Yeah, you want you. You need to understand my frustration. If you concede zero points, it's going to be. It's extremely hard to actually talk to you. Let's pick a subject I'm not that familiar with, and maybe I concede the point. Well, I mean, you weren't very con uh, aware of how externalities operate. Um, I'm I'm familiar I'm familiar with I'm familiar with how they operate. I just don't think it's a very useful way of thinking. So certainly no, not no, in a global your, way. Your definition you got the definition of externality like completely backwards. Sure. Uh, what do you mean so, positive externality? Well, yeah, you just, <laughs> just well, I, I I I'm just trying to give. I appreciate that it's not like you know a vaccine which is a positive externality or like a, a school which is a. Po I appreciate it doesn't fall exactly in that category, but I, I the example still helps us think that. We don't look at the whole picture, and we don't look at everything. So, for example, even Alex's point that if you take fossil fuels and you take it as, as the full picture, then the, the, you take the benefits and the negatives. There's still a good reason to keep using them until so we have I, X I, and I've Y. Never, I've never been one of the people who thinks we should just ban fossil fuels um, and stop everybody from using them. I think it's stupid. I think what matters is humans and, and life. You know, we should care for life. So okay. I think the current level of fossil fuel consumption is socially suboptimal. I think we should have a carbon tax, um, but I don't think we should just eliminate or ban it. And I think nuclear is great. I think fusion is is you know the the future, right? Are you aware that a lot of uh, environmentalists have been anti-nuclear for since the seventies? I I'm I'm a neoliberal dude. I yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm not I'm not blaming time. you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that this side of the whatever aisle or whatever has been anti-nuclear for a very long time. So if, if he went out and his book was just to say, just so everybody knows, fossil fuels are, you know, not like the, we can't just eliminate them completely, right? That component of his argument, I wrote a thread about his book. Oh, okay. Fine. Can I read it? Um, yeah. Just, Where just is look it? Up, let's look up fossil future. Um, On his thing? That part's fine. My problem is with, First of all, borderline climate denial, actually basically full climate denial, just, just super minimizing uh, all the research that's been done on this. It seems very improbable to me. Uh, can, but... can I ask the question for my benefit? So sure. the, the thing to me that um, we, we keep improving our, our technology, we keep adapting, we have more access to, to energy or theoretically that we could, let's, let's uh, you, you're obviously going to agree with this anyway, but let's say, Back in like uh, I don't know 20, 2010, there was a massive earthquake in Haiti. As a result, flood. I think a hundred thousand, if not three hundred thousand, people died. And I forget exactly the the scale of the earthquake, but there was a similar earthquake in twenty nineteen in 
in some parts in California, and one person died because he was under his car repairing it during the earthquake. So, like, oh, right, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you won't agree. I'm just giving you an example. Like, we have these, uh, we have technologies, we have energy to power machines that, that build these infrastructures that can protect us from these environments. And why is that not resonating? You agree intellectually, but why is that not resonating in the sense that even if uh, the temp, even if the if there is climate warming, the fact that we have this ability to adapt to it, and we need energy to do that, obviously, why is that not a good reason to focus on adaptability more? So there's 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 this uh, adaptability is important. Uh, there's a certain social cost, right? So fossil fuel consumption right now is over the ideal amount. When you when you actually include the social cost, we'd be using more of non-fossil fuel like you know geothermal hydro and whatever that's my position that's my only position so geothermal and hydro are situational like for example the uk is very flat those, those are just examples of uh, renewable energy sources nuclear and and honestly i think uh, your position on solar is, does not actually stand with the facts wind is not super effective solar has actually made some miraculous gains in its efficiency well, we, and for we a lot don't of have... people even now it's economic yeah yeah i I'm not disagreeing with you that PV solar has made efficiencies and a reduction in cost. I'm just saying, so we don't have that because we don't have a lot of sun in the UK, but I'll, I'll argue for, for, for the point. Um, it's, not, it's not the price of the solar panel themselves that's the issue. It's not the price of the wind turbine that's the issue. It's the transmission lines to reach these new, uh, very far away places. It's the load balancing equipment that you need. It's the storage that you may need. These are all very, very expensive. The transmission in of itself will take 10 years to build. So, so these are, these. Are, I, I'm not sure necessarily really is context dependent. Um, it's also dependent on how far away the solar panel is. Right, if you put it on your roof, that's fine. A lot, a lot of places, a lot of places use, you know, roof mounting. I, I think that the, I'm not going to make an argument that we should switch everything to solar. I really think, you know, nuclear is the best option. Um, well, if, for a lot if of nuclear is, I think the market is the will best. figure it out. Sorry? I, I think I think the market will figure it out. I'm just saying there well, is a social cost to certain emissions, methane emissions, carbon emissions, other things. You, Those things should be priced. You're aware that in the, U, in the in the U.S. you haven't had commercial nuclear power plants since the NRC. We we do have nuclear plants. No, you haven't had commercial. Sorry, it's the government pays for it, not uh, from the commercial side. Oh, like a private privately operated nuclear plant? Yeah, you don't have consume you have you don't you have not had a consumer nuclear plant, consumer made nuclear plant since the NLC came about in nineteen seventy five. And the vast majority of your nuclear power plants in the US is over th- the average life is thirty nine years old. They they get out of commit sorry, let me be accurate. Well, we have here. private nuclear plants. Uh if they were made before the NLC and they've been updated since then, maybe. But once every 40 years, they have to spend a lot of money to uh, bring up to regulation. Some people just choose I mean, to I, close it down. I, I don't know a ridiculous amount of nuclear regulation. I think that we've you know, stifled the industry somewhat. Um, but oh, it's, it's quite severe. Yeah, I mean, that's not, I'm not going to defend uh, bad regulation. I'm a neoliberal. So this is, this is, see, the regulation thing is something I could always argue. People, no, regulation is good. We need it for the evil capitalists. Like, no, yeah, you're right. Okay. No, oh, yeah. So I, I think regulation usually is pretty bad. I mean, there's some examples um, where you know it seems fine, um, but generally speaking, it seems bad. Um, I think I think externalities they exist for sure. Um, if you don't believe that, I can send you a bunch of work on it. Um, 
on externalities. It's like one of those things that uh, not very many people argue against. Yeah, again, um, I'm not. Can... I'm. I'm not okay. Let's 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 say this. I'm not saying that that they don't exist. Don't exist. I'm saying it's not a useful way of thinking about the problem because they don't consider other things. They, it's a very one-sided way of looking at the something. Externalities have externalities. No, no. There's negative externalities and positive externalities. So, but yes, but, but so, just just, it, just the fact that you're saying my example is in positive externality and I cannot bring it up to counter your negative, it means that we can't have a good overview of this thing. No, so so th this is the problem. I don't think you've read very much about the actual theory regarding externalities. Because if you did, you would know that externalities, whenever you make an externality judgment, it includes both positive and negative. It looks at the net effect. It imputes a negative, of the net or positive effects. I, I, so, whenever I've had these conversations with people, I've never had any one person tell me the positive effects of fossil fuels. Um, so I don't, I don't know in fossil fuels if there is a positive externality that you could call that. I don't know if you can just, make a just positive externality. Forget, forget, forget in the categorization of externality. Just say all the positives and all the negatives in general of having fossil fuels in society. So it's never the case. This, 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 is, this is the problem. I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. So in each market transaction, there's positive effects for both behavior, both actors, right? Yeah. And the price Mutually is beneficial. the most rational, yeah. the rational determination, right? Of the combination yeah. of those interests. Externalities is relevant for markets to be efficient because sometimes there's social benefits and social costs imposed or on actors that are external to the transaction. I understand. And sometimes those guys can't go to the courts because it's too many of them or, you know, there's, there's so like I, physical... I, I think that... I think that the courts element is is a okay. Let's let's put it this way. The government needs to come in and give rational standard of saying if you've um, inhaled this X amount of smoke, if you've had if you have this X amount of um, pollution in the river that you own in your backyard, then that is a damage of your property that you can go, you can just get a test, you can go to court and you'll win very quickly because the government has determined these standards. I, so think, the, I, the think government, for, I think there's room for the government. Say, I think the there's room for the government. The world, like, oh, hey, everybody who no, 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 suffered no, no. so Again, from carbon no, emissions. Hold on, don't, don't be skeptic just yet. I'm just saying in the context of if there's smog, if you can you know, measure, the, measure the quality of the air and say this is point the, something the more. They've, inha they've inhaled personally? On your property, if you've received smoke from someone else's property and the government says above this level, someone's hurting you, your, your body, your property, you can take them to court, then that would speed up the process for that uh, litigation. Similar for so quality of water. But I'm, so we can have like a, a way of pricing that in. So, those, so if the courts can price it, it's not an externality. I'm, it's not. I'm not I'm not sure what so you mean. I, you need to study this so you know what I'm talking about. If the courts can resolve property damages, okay. then, then the cost that someone else incurred has been resolved. It's the not court. an externality. It's not external. It's not an externality. So I'm going to... Great. So there's some things that the court can't solve. And those are the things like, that are like, external. Are you talking about CO two, or are we talking about pollution? There's like a, there's tons. I'm just gonna send. I'm gonna send you some. You know, just pop open the introductory micro textbook. 
It will give you some great examples. So you're, sta so you're, sta so you're saying that the government needs to regulate all of businesses in society, certainly the ones that cause instability, and there's nothing we can do about it. We, there can never be a situation where the market regulates itself through a variety of different mechanisms. It has to be through the government. There's some instances. Answer my question. The market doesn't. So the market is not immortal. The market is not perfect. It is not God. I'm, not, I'm, sure, I'm sure it isn't immortal or perfect, but let's say it's faster itself correcting than the government. So, oof. Okay, so you can say the externalities exist, but the government's not good at solving them. No, no. But the fact that they exist means that you have a justification for the government being regulating the market. You just stated. You just stated the position. Yeah, I mean, the, no matter no matter what you do, because you're saying ex ex these externalities exist or some externalities exist, that means open checkbook for the government coming in and regulating the market. No, it doesn't. So this this is the problem. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Why not? Not what it means. So Why not? We can, we can be we can be just the first objective is being descriptively accurate about phenomena as we observe it in the world. Okay. The second is actually making prescriptions. So just because externalities exist doesn't mean the government's going to be good at addressing them. No, I'm, I'm, not, no I'm, not, I'm not taking the public choice theory about it, will it be good at addressing them or not. I'm just saying because people emit CO2, like I'm breathing right now, I can use the car, we need the government in the market just, just because of that. But, but, but I'm not – that's literally what I'm saying. This does not necessarily say that. Just accepting that externalities exist doesn't mean you accept that the government needs to do something about it. Okay, so so why should the government why should the government do something about it then? So if, I if, think there's assuming there's certainly, exist. So we can we can get of course it exists. We can see that it exists. Okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm I'll, okay. Let's for argument's sake, I concede. 